everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games most of the time. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. Finally, the RPG that we've been waiting for released this week. Uh, James Galizio. Hey, folks. And Chow Min Wu. Hello. Yeah, uh, only missing Adam this week. Uh, he had a, a familiar scheduling conflict but we should see them back next week and as you heard from this intro uh we have all been playing well not all but most of us in this call have been playing a a a new release uh, a highly anticipated release one that seemingly has been well received we are recording this podcast on the day after the release of street fighter 6 rpg i hit rpg you know, you know, I, I have a brilliant idea. Maybe I should uh-huh. just buy Brian Street Fighter Six as a birthday <laughs> present. It was his birthday a few days ago. That it's is how true. Get, it's how I could open the door to him to the world of fighting games. I I've played uh, Street Fighter Four a little bit. There you I go. Got, I, 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 I found it in like a bargain bin. Uh-huh. Uh, like I mean, that was like oh, well, this years is ago. better than Street oh. Fighter Four. I promise you that. Is it? It's only been a day, Chow. You already say it's better than Street Fighter 4? 4 is a low bar for me, man. I hate 4. <laughs> I right. I got. To be a bit candid here, uh, we're obviously, like, this is our first podcast recording in June. I know a lot of us are still working our way through Zelda. We've had a few other releases. I've Last week, I talked a little bit about Miasma Chronicles. We're, of course, all looking ahead to Final Fantasy 16, But we don't play RPGs exclusively. And Street Fighter VI might be a little bit more topical than you might originally think. So uh, thank you for indulging us and allowing us to talk about uh, this new release that is not quite our usual purview. But I don't know. We do what we want. We're going to talk about Street Fighter, at least for I a mean, little bit. Look, it, it is one third of RPG. And, you know, I, I, me and Alex, like, it's funny because I think me and Alex came to, like, the same idea on separate wavelengths. Because when they first, when Capcom first showed the World Tour single-player RPG mode for this game, I think there's like a little thought in that like bubbled up in between me and Alex that like we didn't actually verbalize to each other until much much later. But but like for me, I was like, this is it. Like I I was thinking at that time, I was like, if no one's gonna do it, then I'm gonna do it. Of like just writing about this game because that seems stupid and you know somewhat novel. And you know, Alec is a big Street Fighter fan, um, so of course he was always going to come to that con- conclusion as well. Um, so you know, uh, earlier this week, uh, I've been playing Street Fighter Six uh, pre-release for the past few weeks. Uh, I didn't really touch, you know, the core fighting game up until like the official launch, um, because I was uh, focused on this World Tour single-player RPG mode and. I wrote up a lot about it on the site, uh, just basically giving a really full deep dive analysis for people of like what can you what can RPG players expect from this mode? Like it'll it'll be weird. It'll be like I even opened up the the piece to say I know what you're thinking. Why does RPG site have a review here for Street Fighter Six? And I go into like, hey, this is no, this is a full fledged RPG. You have like this open world metro city that you're exploring. Uh, for the first like part of it, um, and it's it's what you'd expect out of a standard RPG. You're, you have, you make a uh, create a character, silent protagonist. You've seen all the crazy creations online. Uh, if not, you've either messed up the demo or you've seen it in the marketing in some form. 
and you use that uh, original character. You level them up. You gain the like the moves and the move sets and the special moves of like the various playable Street Fighter Six uh, characters as you meet them in the R- RPG mode. Um, and then you know you you fight grunts. It has uh, stats. You have damage numbers flying out. You level up. You gain skill points from leveling up. You have skill trees. Um, you have and then each piece of clothing that you uh, obtain or buy. Um, you can uh, that that all has uh, armor value. It can increase your defense, um, and then you're also leveling up like your your the the attack power of your uh, punches and kicks and throws and the special moves. All right, and Josh. Like, you know, Josh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. basically, I'm I'm trying to just paint a picture in my mind's eye. Uh-huh. So the we're talking about Street Fighter Six. You, uh, James and Chow have all been playing this. Uh, a lot which is part of the reason why we're opening with this so when i have played i have dabbled in fighting games very little but when i think of a fighting game story mode i think of just maybe a few cutscenes, maybe a few menus uh but then of course a fighting game uh you know view from the side player on the left enemy on the right and you'll go through some sort of very loose story where you'll fight characters back to back to back now when you say yeah. world tour I know you're kind of in the process of teeing us up here, yeah. but like, what is it when you say it's an RPG like mode? Um, like we, we talked, we, the last time we had a conversation like this was back with grand blue fantasy versus kind of had yeah. a RPG light mode, but this seems like it goes even further than that. Yeah. It's, in some ways it goes grand blue, grand blue fantasy versus was you, there, there was a, there was a story that you were following, but it was like through stages. So like you go through these stages, they were like maybe you know maybe five minutes maximum. Um, but it was like it, it, it's not, it felt like a more divided up affair, sort of like the Grand Blue Fantasy mobile game where you do that, you know go through that in stages as well. And um, it does have like some of the progression mechanics in Grand Blue with all the weapon grid and stuff and that. But there is like more seamless because you're you're actually traveling. To points that you're you're uncovering this map, uh, you're un- like you know unlocking fast travel points, and then like saying oh like it'll you know, it'll be like a mini map and say go here to go talk to this person. You're actually uh, speaking with them, seeing what they have to say, and then they say oh you know go here do this, and then like uh, so they actually send you on like objectives because like the the main I'm not gonna say like the story of uh, Street Fighter Six's World Tour mode is anything like the home to write home about, but. But the, um, it's mainly at the beginning of the game, after you create your original character, you you trade under Luke. He gives you like the basic uh, controls of the game, how teaching you like the very basics of how to play. And for, for people who are dumb like me, uh, mm-hmm. Luke, is, Luke is a new character. He's a character on the cover. Yes, Luke okay. is uh, the, 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 the main character of Street Fighter VI. Uh, he's, gotcha. uh, he's the guy you see on the cover on the store page. You're like, who is that blonde dude who has the boxing gloves? That's, that's Luke. Gotcha. Um, and he he was first introduced, uh, introduced as like the last DLC character, Street Fighter Five, like kind of teasing the future of Street Fighter with Street Fighter Six through that. And they had to nerf him like three times before really... people are okay, and people still <laughs> find him broken. Yeah, he was really good at Street Fighter Five, but uh, he he's faced pretty cool in Street Fighter Six, but different as well. So like, yeah, so you're uh, so you kind of train under him at this uh, training gym, and then very early on at that. Um, that's like the very beginning of World Tour. You get introduced to your, like your rival character, like the the Gary to your Ash, um, as Alex editorialized into my review. That's very yeah, it's very Alex. But yeah, it it, it it's you know an apt comparison. You know he's a uh, 
He's very into like face you being a rival, you know, try to get stronger. And uh, in many ways, it's it's more about your original character uh, going through like there's certain things that happen very early on that makes your rival character sort of like, man, I'm wasting time here. You know, I got to get stronger uh, fast. So he like he like drifts away from you um, pretty early on. And then a lot of that main story mode plot line is kind of like following uh, your rival's footsteps of like, what are they up to? And it's like a lot of very, you know, conspiracy type stuff on on what they're going through. Um, so that's sort of where you're following it. And then, you know, along the way, you're going to get into a lot of like shenanigans as you're trying to find out like why, why your rival, uh, his name is Bosch, uh, why Bosch is... Uh, acting the way he is and what is he going through um and so you know it's uh it's it's pretty involved in the sense that like you're actually interacting with characters not just like going like stage to stage to stage you're actually doing side quests there's mini games um you know there's uh, consumable items there's shops um and it's kind of like a whole smorgasbord of what you would expect from a modern rpg uh these days so uh, it uh, for me like when i think about it when i was writing this article uh, from the perspective of like someone who you know from our for our audience who likes rpgs i'm like i'm like uh, i was very clear that i was like i don't know if this is like worth the full price if you're only interested in the rpg mode of the game but i think if you, if you do find it on discount or if you're interested enough to you know be willing to like play the whole package even beyond the rpg one maybe it's worth the full price because you know, obviously, there's there's a lot more to this game than just RPG mode, obviously. But it's still, but completing like this RPG mode, like hitting credits, like for me, took over 20 hours. But there's like a whole lot of like post game content you can do as well. There's like high level fighters you can like uh, continue to like train under like the masters of like the playable characters, get their moves, see more interactions. It's also worth noting that they've confirmed that the uh, world tour mode is going to be updated with. Uh... DLC characters when they're released. Oh, cool! Nice. Uh, have both of you finished this world tour mode? No, oh. uh, okay. I have. Yeah. So, uh, well, what's up? I-, I was asking. Um, it says that the game you can unlock some free costumes from playing that mode. Is that how it works? If you max out relationships with the characters in World Tour, that's how you unlock their alternate uh, outfit. Or you yeah. pay, right? <laughs> Is that how it goes, or you can't? I, I don't. Know, I, I don't know. Like how I, I didn't see the other method of like the fighter coins. I don't know if you only receive fighter coins through paying or not. I, I know there is like a microtransactions uh, in this because there's like a battle pass, so like a free track battle pass and a premium battle pass that like only has cosmetics. Apparently, I didn't really look into that. Um, but as far as I know, like yeah, you want to go through the the free method for those classic costumes like the like for to contextualize for Brian it's like it's like the 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 iconic costumes that like classic street fighters have had like you have the gi that uh Ryu and Ken traditionally wear you have the the traditional Chun-Li outfit traditional Kami outfit traditional Dalsim Zangief etc like what you would what they would wear from like Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 4 you know Um, I I guess I, I just assume that that's what they would wear by default like, no, you have like uh, the default costume for like Ken in this game. He's like he has like an over, like a like a long ass like kind of beaten down brown coat because he's like under hiding. 
like a hoodie on. Yeah, they say yeah. it's hobo can, which is this fish. Yeah, and then like uh, like Ryu has like a different outfit. He, he shot, Ryu, Ryu's shirtless in this game is default uh, outfit. So, and there's just like just the bottom half like his he all roughened up. And then uh, Cammy has like the whole like uh, she has like the like I think it was like a denim like polo I forgot but uh, she she has a very different look to her in her default outfit. Um, I don't know. To me, that seems like a smart incentive for the for the story mode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it is one of those things that like you will have to grind it out uh, because like uh, leveling up those bond ranks for the characters. Like if you're just playing normally under like a person's style, you'll like max out one of them. By the end of story mode, and then like for the others, I guess you'll just have to continue to like give them gifts and um, fight uh, other NPCs that like have their style. Because if you fight a character that is like say using Cami's move set, and like this character is like a like a uh, you know a student under Cami, like after you beat up that character, you'll get you'll also gain experience points for like Cami's thing. So that that's kind of like the main definer of this. Uh, world tour rpg mode in terms of like character progression it's like you don't have a party system it's only your original character but this original character is highly highly customizable um you know like when a character i even noted like in my piece that like there's a lot of considerations you have to make well i mean you don't have to make these considerations how you model your character will have different um it'll slightly affect like your hitboxes and your reach in, in like combat like if you have like really long arms uh you you'll have a like more attack uh reach towards like you know hitting opponents or like if you have um dinky arms you'll have to get up uh closer to them to to um hit them because that because the you're you're affecting your hitboxes as you're modeling like the shape of your character so uh, can you terrorize like i don't know like the whole single player using what like happened to soul caliber we had like a giant blocks like a giant blob character with like infinite hitbox or something like that no, no, like... no it's not that crazy it's not as crazy as soul calibers um that, i know what you're talking about those those are insane you, you can't it, it, it's not as crazy as that then uh, for the best really um That's a stupid and, idea. yeah yeah but it, but it's you know you're, you're making a human character they could be like any they, they, they could be, take many shapes you can make make this like you know it's not you can't you can't make like a polygonal like square person or like a or like a crazy like infinite hitbox thing that you're talking. You still have to make a, something that resembles a human at the end of the day. Um, how you go about that is up to you. And then as your, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as you're meeting up with the other Street Fighter uh, characters in a World Tour mode, you'll well, on your initial meeting with them, you'll get you'll gain their style. And like you equip styles kind of like you equip gear, where you go to your character customization and say, "Hey, choose a style." So I can, if I met Ryu and Ken before, I can like equip Ryu's style or equip Ken's style. And once I equip their style, my your character will have their like their their normal moves. Like you know, you have Ryu's punches, Ken's punches, uh, Ryu's kicks or Ken's kicks. Um, but uh and stuff like that so like they're normals um you you also um inherit uh, obtain like mechanics that are exclusive to that character alone like reuse dungeon charge if you use reuse style if you equip that you can uh, do the reuse dungeon charge or if you equip ken style you have access to his command dashes 
that that uh, he only has, um, and and those lead to different follow-ups um, for for Ken. So you'll have that if you equip Ken's style. The thing that you can really highly customize, you know, aside from like gaining a character's like move set, is their special moves. Um, upon like your first meeting with a character, upon getting their style, you can also you also get like around two to three of their um, special moves. But these special moves are all um, you can equip them uh, different ones from different characters. So say I'm in reuse style, but I have access. Uh, I met Zangief and Dalsim before, and uh, Dalsim gave me his teleport, and Zangief gave me his command grab and lariat, uh, and also Dalsim gave me his uh, his, uh, his fireball projectile. Um, I, 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 I with reuse, I, I can equip reuse move move style or move set, and I can equip. Zangief's command grab, Ken's Shoryuken, and Dalsim's teleport. Um, all, all under uh, while still having reused move set. The okay. only the, the only limitation uh, to this is uh, one moves that share the same input cannot be slotted together. So, say I have Luke's sandblast and reuse uh, Hadoken since they both. Yeah, since they both used um, quarter circle forward motion on them, you can only pick one of them uh, because obviously, if you tried to pick both, it would override. the the The, the weird thing is, like, it, this also um, applies for uh, moves that like use the 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 punch or kick. So let's say I try to equip reuse uh, Hadoken and. I need that quarter circle forward. If there's a move that has quarter circle, quarter circle forward kick, I still can't equip both of those, even though they're assigned different buttons, because they still share the same input motion. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I get, I get what you're yeah. saying. So that 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 that's kind of the one of the one of the weird limitations to that. Um, but other than that, like a lot of moves don't obviously share like overlap. Uh, like you can you can equip like a whole move set that, that have different motions and you'll be fine. Um, also, early on in uh, world tour mode, as you're still low level, still leveling up, like the amount of special moves that you equip on the slots will be limited, and you have to as you're leveling up on the skill tree, you can unlock more skill slots, special move skill slots um, to unlock more of that. And, and it's also the skill slots that you have. You, you have like up to like seven or eight when you're on the ground and then you have like up to three when you're in the air because there are some characters that have special moves in the air like Kami and Ryu and um and and then uh, once uh the as for your supers uh in this game each character has three supers one that's level one one that's level two and one that's level three as you gain more style ranks and uh, more of higher bond levels of the character um you'll gradually unlock that character's um more more of their supers and then eventually you'll be able to mix and match them with that same limitation of input um mm. in mind but other but uh, i mean uh, other than that that's aside from those like small limitations here and there you're free to go wild so like if you want to do a fucked up thing where you have blanca's move set with dalsim's teleport and Zeev's command grab you can go you can go wild you can yeah whatever whatever feels right for you whatever and you know that's that, that that's kind of the cool thing about um, world tour mode because you're constantly, you know, 
thinking about like how do I want to make my character what what moves seems right what do I enjoy how do I enjoy playing this game do I do I want to make a, someone that's really really good at throws um, and that's here just beefing up their their throw strength having like Manon's command grab plus Geef's command grab because they don't share the same motion um, and plus your regular throw you know you have someone that's just constantly throwing. Or if like you, if you're like you really, uh, really wanna focus on like special moves like projectiles and like and Giles flash kick, you know you have like your special move uh, strength, and then so you can start specking to like okay, I wanna be someone that's really good at like spamming projectiles, so you can have like Giles sonic boom, reuse uh, Hodokin, um, you know because they don't share the same uh, motion. And then you know you can you can have uh, two projectiles at your disposal while having uh, moves that like kind of you know push them away, like say like Chun Li's uh, spinning bird kick if you like the EX version, push them back. Mm. So like little little things like that to like consider if you want to play like that. And, and stats do play a big part uh, in World Tour because there'll be fights where you like going against characters that are like several levels like uh, you know above you, so you have to really work for your win because you're. Like if you're like more than like nine levels back, you're barely doing damage. You're do- barely doing shit to them, while like a single combo from them is just like taking out half of your health, and you're just like fuck. In the middle, like you could still like use consumable by- consumable items in the middle of combat, but you know there's definitely an RPG stat aspect to it that's pre- prevalent to it. So there'll be like if you haven't been like doing side quests as much, for example, you might feel like a difficulty spike here and there, or you might have to like go grind here and there if like there's something that's like kind of getting in your way and uh, and the stat difference is like too much to handle um but that, that's the, that but that's the the cool thing about our uh, that world tour rpg mode is you know making a character whatever the hell you want and making them look whatever the hell you want as well because um it's really cool how the capcom did clothing in this game because no matter how fucked up your character is modeled those those clothes will fit them no matter what <laughs> And if you have, have Dalsum's move set, which is like like stretching like his limbs, like that clothing will stretch, um, as you're firing off like those moves. Damn. So, yeah, they really put a lot of effort into that, so you can make them look a certain way. Um, uh, eventually on the skill tree, you have the you you'll have the option to transmog them, so you can equip gear that's like has good stats, but you'd have to sacrifice like looking good for it. So you can equip another set of gear that you want to just show on top of your character uh if you want to make them look a certain way you can like gain like color dye um and there too so if you want to go color each you know aspect of your clothing you have some accessories you can wear as well so it's it's really versatile at, at any time if you want to change like your character's model you can just go to the stylist shop and you can play like a really trivial amount of like in-game currency and you can like recreate your character from scratch um as well so it's it's uh it's it's cool you know i mean there's there's a whole lot more like more to it you know like you're just but i think i think it's just there's something novel about it at the end of the day that I, I hope more fighting games um do i really do like the aspect of the uh, of that that never got old to me was if if you when you go up to like non-hostile npcs right you can like go up to them and most of them you can like press like square on the xbox controller 
um, to like fight them to like say, hey, let's have a let's have a fight. And you can just go fight them. You'll like cross arms and then you'll then you'll get into a brawl with them. But you can also just like you, you can like um, use these things called master actions, which are basically moves that uh, characters give you that you can use while you're like running around the open world. So like um, Ken will give you a short you can and then Chun, Chun Li will give you a spinning bird kick, for example. And like these have practical uses where like you're tra- traversing around the environment because your character can't like jump, for example. You'd have to use like Chun Li's spinning bir- spinning bird kick if you want to do some platforming to get from one place to another. While uh, can you use a sure you could like get up to a higher place uh, or a higher platform if your if your character just can't reach it and they have no jump, so you just sure you can to get up there. Or um, you can also use these master actions to immediately just start a fight with a character. You just basically just Sure, you can the fuck out of them, and then you'll do damage, and then yeah, you'll gain like an initiative in battle like right away because you're like they'll they'll be down on health. You're ready to go, and you're just going in there and swinging. So, and that was like an aspect of this mode that never got tired to me because I, I just kind of like there's something really gratifying you're just like just like like just hitting hitting people in that in that mode to just start fight. <laughs> Do the other Street Fighter games have any sort of like, I know World Tour is new and it's been talked about quite a bit, at least for our purposes, but the, just the fact that there's a creative character at all, is that like new to Street Fighter? Like, It's completely? totally new. Yeah. That's uh, it. But there is a World Tour in, in Street Fighter game before. It was in Street Fighter Off of Free. And how that was done is basically you, when you fight a character, uh, you get EXP from your points, but you can only fight them once. So you have to like beat them perfect to get the most amount of EXP from from it. And yeah, but it's not, it's not it's not like it's not like as fleshed out. Like it like there's like it's still at the end of the day it's like stringing along fighting fighting game stages like fighting game rounds, um, in that mode. Um, like you know, Capcom has done this ever since like Red Earth, you know, which is back in the early '90s, which is like kind of blending like these RPG modes into a fighting game framework so like red, red earth had like it's like basically a boss rush and like your character's leveling up in the middle of battle during that kind of like like little gems will fall out of like these bosses as you're fighting them and you're like kind of gaining stats and experience points off of that but it, it was never like this expansive in any of their previous fighting games is there an alternate like single player mode like for a more traditional one, or is this pretty yeah, much it? Yeah, yeah, no, that like they're, they're, it has your standard like like single player modes that you find in fighting. There's arcade mode, you know. Um, I know there's like a survival mode. I didn't check it, but there's definitely an arcade mode. Like, and that's your standard like arcade. Like when you start arc- someone's arcade mode, you'll get like a a story set with some like artwork illustrations. You go through a string of stages. In between like the halfway point of those stages, you'll have like the the beat up a vehicle. Um, bonus stage, and then at the end of it, you you know you take on like uh, the la- there's not really a final boss um, for for arcade mode that you fight. That's no, not like everyone like goes to Bison or faces off against Bison, but they finish up uh, you know their their last stage and then like more just illustrations and it's like kind of like a light story continuation um, of what they're dealing with in Street Fighter Six. So the world but- tour mode isn't. A replacement it's all like it's on top it's on top it's it's complementary right it's yeah. it's not like it's not like a it's not a substitute for arcade mode no it's like hey there, there's a much more fleshed out single player mode 
that's like that uses your original character uh in it and that's kind of the main point of it and that that's kind of you know I, I think that's kind of one of the weaknesses of the world tour mode uh is since it's so focused on your original character like the other playable characters in street fighter 6 that you meet through it they don't really do much in it aside from like being these masters that you meet they don't really have much story relevance in the grand scheme of things um so you're you're fairly cut off from them aside from that um you know there's like there's other quirks to like world tour mode that like i kind of lay out in my uh non-scored review as well um because at the end of the day like you know i was evaluating i was extensively evaluating one third of a game so i'm like i was like it it would be bad it would feel bad to give this a score because it's not this is not really a review of street fighter 6 the overall package this is just for the purposes of our audience you know uh, well, we're checking out this RPG mode for that to see if you, they'd like it or not, and I think they would. I think they would if they like kind of like it, it's 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 very goofy. It doesn't really take itself seriously, and I appreciate that. It's like it's a, it's like fitting for it. It's it's very charming in that in that way. Um, like the first time you meet uh, Honda, you know he's in like uh, this kind of like um, he, I don't know. If it's it's kind of like a fusion hybrid restaurant. It also does. It also does like kabuki performances, and there's like a giant sumo ring in the middle of it as well. Um, and like he looks very menacing, but he's like doing a kabuki performance. The the first time you meet Zangief, like you're you're like working out with him, um, and like you're you and your your uh, original character is like struggling because to keep up with Zangief's uh, workout routine. The first time you meet Blanca, you don't really meet Blanca. You meet like the the the. The joke Blanca costume that the previous Street Fighter producer Ono, oh yeah, he was ex he's ex cop now, but he always had like this Blanca keychain that uh, he he used to like kind of share where he was at, to, and also to tease like Street Fighter Five characters. But um, but he, that that was kind of like an iconic thing about Ono oh uh, was the his Blanca keychain. So they have it as a like a full on cop game like that like it's like it's like a not a character you maybe see like a like an imposter blanca then uh as you're chasing after blanca shows up and is like oh you were chasing after my imposter it's like in my, my imposter has been a real problem like you know like uh, like so, so social media has like the wrong idea about me because of this imposter <laughs> you know it's very goofy so um it's uh it's it's but it's it has a lot of heart, and I think that's like a, a a similar sentiment I've seen in other reviewers and other people who have like taken a, a look at this mode. It's like, it's it's an interesting mode that like it feels good because it also even if you're like it's enjoyable if you're a newcomer, but even if you're like someone that's like like street the Street Fighter world and the Street Fighter legacy, it does so much to honor that of uh, that plus more like. Uh, Alex and I were talking about kind of like the broad walk, um, uh, where you're kind of first dumped into the, like the the world tour mode after you like exit the gym from Luke. You get you, you kind of go into like town, uh, not town square, obviously, but it's it's sort of modeled after Manhattan. But you're kind of placed into like the not town square of Metro City, and like uh, on like uh, on the ground, you just have like kind of like this like kind of like Hall of Fame list of like all the fighting games that Capcom has ever made listed out, starting from the first Street Fighter. 
and like going chronologically, like listing out all the all the all the games that they ever all the fighting games that they ever made, you know, um, in it. And that, and like it it was so cool to see that because it's like it it honors Street Fighter, Final Fight, and like other Capcom fighting games in like a, in a very respectful and in a very like wholesome manner. That like it really makes you feel good that like you know what Capcom has been up and down throughout the years, but they've they've never stopped believing in fighting games. They never stopped believing in the genre. They've they always... they stopped once after three. I mean, yeah, but I mean, but they did, but they never stopped perfectly. Like they kept on going. They still, I know. At the at the end of the day, you still had third strike, and after third strike, yeah, there was a lull for a while. But they've re, they reinvigorated the fighting game genre with four. You know, I, I, they're, they're, like they're, they're, backstory with it. I think it was Ono talking to Keiji Inafune saying, "I want to make fighting games," and they're like, huh, "They don't sell. What the hell are you smoking?" I know, but the, but at the end of the day, that like when you think about like the legacy of fighting games and the ones that like push it forward and the ones who brought it back it's it street fighter has always played a large role in that you know and even even when things look dicey with like five you know like at, at, by like throughout the beginning of five's lifespan and like it definitely became a better game throughout throughout the years but a lot of people fell off of it over the years as well because the first impression of it wasn't good at all and a lot of people kind of dropped off um and then uh, i think a big question on everyone's mind like going to six was like how are they going to bring it back with six because five was like at the launch was like a disaster you know like and a lot of people felt kind of bummed out that like you know about street fighter it's like and now here we are a lot a fuckload of people are like excited to like play street fighter again and they they you know and in, in some ways you know they're kind of they're they're not only like you know bringing the next chapter street fighter forward they're also trying to. I, I, I'm hoping you know, this also provides a, like a standard template of like what future fighting games should strive for as well. Because this feels like a full package uh, out of the gate. You know, like store that has like a, like a cool world tour single player RPG mode, which might be a big ask for like other fighting games. You know, personally, I I like this approach because while like the Guilty Gear Strive approach of like the five hour cutscene is like cool, like you don't really like it's cool to see once but like you don't really interact with it so you're kind of like okay so i like i like playing the video game so that's that's cool but even that that like you have you know it it sure in the battle hubs you have like the whole fucking arc system works lobby of like where you have a create like a character you have to run around and like go to like the the arcade setups to like get into a match with the character there but for custom matches you know it's not a fucking disaster i mean custom matches is just a, a list a very like a very straightforward like menu where like you can have multiple matches going on simultaneously and um and it's just like it's very easy to navigate you don't have to like get like a your own character and like make a custom room that has like it's all modeled custom like things to like walk around it it's like no you can just like menu through that um very easily and it uh, and it all like kind of works seamlessly as well um and also it's just it's just uh obviously you know uh street street fighter 6 this is the first time they use nah, rollback you know there a, a lot of modern fighting has have done it you know guilty gear strive has done it um more than street fighter 5 had it it was just not quote unquote <laughs> yeah it's not, it's not it wasn't good implementation well technically meanwhile meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile the uh netcode in street fighter 6 is absurdly good yeah holy shit 
Yeah, you yeah. can actually play on Wi-Fi. You can't. Apparently, some Mike Ross was playing on Wi-Fi with some people in Japan, and, and their code is good. It's like, fair, oh, but... To be fair, I think part of the reason is that if you got if you've gotten a new router within the last like two or three years, chances are it's a Wi-Fi six router, and then and the current gen consoles have Wi-Fi six, and that does help with packet loss. So if you're playing on Wi-Fi on Wi-Fi six inevitably it's just going to be a better experience than wi-fi of the past but but also like when you're thinking about not just like you know like obviously good net code you know like that's all thankfully becomes more of a standard in fighting uh modern fighting games but also like tools for newcomers and like even even like more experienced people alike the like that resorting to like like uh like the the character guides for example have been really helpful in this game for for me. I really like them because, like, if you are interested in a character and you don't want to go search up matches on YouTube or you don't want to go to like event hubs or like a third party source, or and like and like you just have no idea what to do with this character, even if like you go to training mode and you hit their buttons and their specials, and you're like, I'm still not exactly sure what their game plan is. Like, you know, these character guides are a good snapshot glance of like they'll show you, they'll give you like a brief text description of like how about this character. Hey, this character, these buttons are really good for anti-airing, but you really want to do at mid-range with these po- like you want to use these buttons for like pokes. And like it'll give you a chance, like, hey, you want to try these out? Try like these very basic like commands and game plan out. So like when I was looking at the character guide for Manon, like it, that really helped me out because like, oh, Crouch Heavy Punch is her main anti-air tool. She, uh, but if you know if you want to go resort to her special move, her these are the special moves that are good anti-airs as well, which are a little bit more risky, but you know, but her crouch heavy punch really um here are ways to like hit confirm into like her um uh hit hit grab here are ways to like uh these are the buttons to, like for her mid-range pokes and you really want to like you're leaning on them because they have really good priority and um you know and uh it'll show it'll de- definitely give you like a good like description of like what the situations are for like each of like your special moves are so like for example manon has like uh quarter circle uh back um move but like uh, on, on her kicks but each of them do something very different so her light quarter circle um will be like a kind of like a split spinning move which is really good for uh low low profiling and like uh, calling out sweeps while um her medium kick uh extension of that is a good like combo ender and then her heavy punch is like uh is a quick overhead uh on that and that that's really helpful of like just letting you know of like okay these are like the like the use case scenarios for each of these buttons on these specials so like you know you don't have to like kind of scratch your head of like why why, like how do i make that what's the what's the practical use of this from a snapshot glance and that's i think that's really helpful i really like that they have like those little character guides you know, and obviously you'll have the combo trials for the for each character as well, like in other fighting games. But I think I think the, the if there's one cool thing about this game that's like a real like standout that I hope more fighting games do in the future, in terms of like single player trading style uh, content for newcomers, it's those snapshot character guides that don't take up too much time and they're very quick, concise, straight to the point, and very informative. Outside of this, uh, the RPG mode, the single player mode, I presume since the full release of this game, we're recording this on June 3rd, game fully released just yesterday. I assume you guys have just been playing 
standard versus matches since then. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't even touch the single player content. <laughs> so what so which characters are you guys playing so far? I'm curious. Chung Lee and DJ. I, why am I not surprised you're playing DJ Chow? What? Come on. I I I'm I'm kind of interested in learning DJ too. Right now, I've uh, I've kind of been sticking to uh, Manan because she's one of the new characters. Oh, I'm interested God. in one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Look, I'm playing as JP. Who I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm on a high horse here because he is definitely stinky. But uh, fucking hate Manon's. Uh huh. Yeah, Manon for some reason. Manon's like she her game plan is uh, crazy in this game, especially if you let her meddle up. Oh man. But uh I I I, I uh, throughout World Tour mode I was using Ken's moveset for the most part. I I need to get used to like modern Ken because the last time I really played Ken was Street Fighter 4. And Street Fighter 4 Ken is a very, very, very different character than Street Fighter 6 Ken. Um because that, now he's he's he still has his Adoken his Tatsu, his Shoryuken, but he's very more about his, like, his kick specials now. Um, the way, like, his basic game plan is and his, his approaches. Um, so, he's he's a much, much different character than, like, being, like, kind of like the sh- a standard Shoto. Which is cool, but I just have to wrap my head around and I have time to, like, uh, get better with Ken. But there are other characters I want to try out. Like, I tried Lily out. She seems really fun. Um, She's a she's she's a gremlin. She's a goblin, man. She's a oh, she's she she she's a gorilla. <laughs> I've seen I, some Kimberly players online, and she looks like a lot of fun. Oh she yeah, does not look like a, a a standard Street Fighter character in her game plan, though. She is very different. Yeah, like it, like even though she shares some familiar things with the guy, she seems to be her own uh, character overall, which is very cool. I think um, that's the character that I'm most terrified of fighting of right now. Like, a very good Kimberly is just a menace in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, there's, a, there's a lot of characters I want to try try out. They, they all seem really interesting. I, I'm. It's a. It, it's gonna be. A, it's gonna be interesting to see how this how this game plays out and like um, how people feel about because it. it's not even just like. New characters and, and returning characters of what they what's the what they can do right. It's the core fighting game system of this game is very different from like how you would approach a normal fighting game because of the drive system. Oh, I like, love the drive system. Yeah, I the drive like system is really that. cool. Yeah. So to explain for Brian, for other people who don't know, is like in a standard fighting game, you have your your health bar and you have your your super bar. Um, you know your super bar, like in like an old Street Fighter two, you would fill it up and then all the way, and then you can use a super. In this game, you can fill it up to up to three times. So you can gain up to like three stocks of that super, and each of your supers that you can do, each character has three supers, like I mentioned earlier. Each of them take up a different amount of like stocks of that. So you have one that can, uh, consumes one stock, one that consumes two, and the other that consumes all all three of the stocks that you saved of that. But that's the only. But that's the only thing you can use that super bar for is those supers. Unlike other fighting games where you would use like that's the super bar for like ex attacks, for example. Um, that that's all gone. All of that. All of those. All that other. All those other systems are like relegated to this new system called the drive system in this game. And this is a. These are like. There's a separate bar underneath your health bar, which are like little pips. Uh, so like you like you have like the eight different pips 
um, small pips underneath your health bar. And these basically dictate a lot of like your what you can do offensively and defensively. For example, if you want to do those EX attacks, that consumes drive gauge. If you wanted to block in this game, every time you block, it'll take a little bit of drive gauge away every for every time you block. Um, when you when you have uh, there's a universal parry system in this game where you can, you can actually hold down uh, to to parry um, if you aren't good at timing it. Though there are perfect parries as well, um, where if you if you parry an attack and like kind of like absorb it, you'll gain back um, drive gauge. Um, if you let this drive gauge um, deplete, it'll put you in a state called burnout state. And burnout state means you can no longer parry, you can no longer do EX attacks, and the properties of moves that are coming or that are that, that you're taking from uh, opponents are like that they're they're better um they're more favorable towards your opponent because you're in this burnout state. So, for example, like a medium kick from an opponent, like the amount of like, um, the amount of time like in block stun because of that medium kick is longer now because you're in burnout state, and so you you can't really punish it because you're in burnout state because it takes so much to like kind of just block it from on. Now. There's also a nasty thing about this drive gauge and its burnout state. Um, there's this new system in this game called drive impact, and drive impact is basically uh, the the default binding for it is that when you press both uh, heavy punch and heavy kick at the same time, your character will launch forward with an attack, and like it's it's kind of like and you'll see like a lot of colors on screen as they're about to attack you, and there's super armor properties on this attack, meaning like you cannot, you, unless you hit them out of it very, very fast with like consecutive attacks, you, you can't normally hit them out of it. Um, you can throw them out of it if, you, if your reactions are good. You can parry the attack and like punish them. Or you can like, if, you, if your reactions are good, you can respond with it with a drive impact on your own. When you drive impact a character and it hits them, they'll crumple. So that means yeah, you can like pretty much follow it up with what uh, whatever you want, um, because it leaves them wide open when you um, uh, hit them. If they block it, they'll get lunged back, and they cannot punish the uh, that drive impact when they get lunged back because you've already recovered and they were they they were away. So you know, punishing these drive impacts, you have to be very proactive. You can't just like simply block them and expect to punish them or like now. If you get hit with this, if you block this drive impact and your back is facing the corner, the edge of the screen, you will actually hit, your back will hit the wall as you're being lunged back, and they can like get a, basically a free uh, hit on you or a big attack on you because your, your back hit the wall, so you're like kind of like wall splatted for a brief second. And so like you're, they can open up you up defensively. Even, if, even though you block the attack, they can still open you up defensively because of that. Now, if this happens to you, whether you're, uh, when you're in a burnout state, you'll be put in stun. So that's a, there's no stun meter in this game. You'll just be, when you're in burnout state and you block uh, uh, the drive impact and you're against the, the wall and you hit that wall, you're stunned. And then you can just like, they can do whatever they want to you. So this, the, this is what makes it different from most fighting games where 
you have to think about not only like your health, your super meter, but also like this this drive gauge that kind of impacts your performance offensively and defensively. And you can see, obviously, both you and your opponent can see each other's drive gauges. So you're making, you're starting, you kind of make calculated decisions on the fly of like, how do I want to um, approach this character and kind of force them to like, um, if, if they're playing too defensively, they're going to get burnt out. So what they, uh, they, have to, they have to make a play to, uh, no matter what, to prevent that. Um, so you, you, can't, you can't just like simply turtle up and block everything. Uh, you really have to like be proactive, uh, both offensively and defensively, to manage that drive gauge. Uh, effectively, and I think that's that. That's one of the scary things, and what's that's one of the coolest things about this game. Like being in the corner in this game is very nasty. Like, like imagine like in a fighting game, like it's already overwhelming to be to have your back against the corner. But like, hey, you can at least block and like react to throw like uh, throws and like block overheads. But this one's like, oh, I also have to look out for another thing that might open me up because even if I block in the corner, I could still be punished for it. Do what do the uh like what the Street Fighters four and five have? Did they just have the the stun gauge instead of a drive gauge? Um, in Street Fighter three, uh, they have a stun meter. Um, and they also have uh parries, but like the parries were more were, were very tight. Like uh, there, there's not something you can hold down. You had to like basically uh like uh press forward on like the like uh, like maybe two to three frames before like an attack would hit you, and then like obviously there's a perfect parry in that as well. So, but the but the parry window was very very tight in uh, Street Fighter Three, but also exploitable as well. Um, if you, if you got really good with it, and it had a stun meter um, that you can visibly see. So if you see that uh, in Street Fighter Three, you can like play around like combos that and like some characters like um, and their supers like made use of that. So one of like reused supers in uh, Third Strike. It's like it didn't do a lot of damage if it hit, but it did a lot of stun meter um, damage. And there's like a whole playstyle surrounding that, where like you basically do combos to get them into a guaranteed stun because of that stun meter. Um, Street Fighter Four had the focus attack, so you you hold down the the two medium medium punch and medium kick in that, and that's sort of like the drive impact that you see in Six, where like you you hold it down. Uh, but you do it manually, and then you can absorb an attack, and then you can like fire it off and like uh, do like a, a slow counterattack to that. Um, but the main use of focus attacks um, in Street Fighter Four over the long run, competitively, was you would uh, double tap um, forward um, to do a focus attack dash cancel, which also exists here in um, Street Fighter Six, where. You can also like hold down parry and then double tap um, forward and do like a drive rush, where like it doesn't. It's not exactly like drive attack uh, or focus attack dash cancel, but it's uh, it, it, different properties look sort of similar, which is what I'll say. Um, and and like that, you can also cancel out of like certain normal attacks in in Street Fighter Six that'll give you that drive rush property. So there were different. Um, and also in Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 4, you could do EX attacks more easily because those expended your super meter in them. Um, so you, like, there's no, there was no drive gauge that dictated that. So 
yeah, they they were they were pretty different from how Street Fighter Six approaches it, which really um, redefines the whole thing. So like in like in Street Fighter Six, you're you have to be more conscientious about when you use those overdrive EX attacks because um, they take up a lot of your drive meter. So you have to start weighing like, is it worth it to do an overdrive attack or EX attack here? Um, at the expense of like this amount of drive meter that I have left, there might be times where like if I use this overdrive, if I use an overdrive attack here, it'll put me in burnout state. Do I want to risk that? But while in like previous games, you'll be like, I don't care. Like if I if I expend a little bit of my super meter to do my this ex attack because I can get I can get the super meter back very fast, and um and the and the pros and cons on weighing whether you should do like an ex attack to super drive meter is like it's always almost always an ex attacks favor because of the properties of the ex attacks in that game what did it Street was even five have um oh boy um child you remember b- better than me because i I've, it's been a long time since i played street fighter five i know they had selectable um the v triggers and the in that game it, it didn't come early it came around season three Oh yeah, the V triggers were like a, a, a what, what was it at launch for Street Fighter Five? Like what the systems were? Uh, you just have V trigger, and the dumbest thing they did in launch was there was eight frames of delay for everything that you do, rather than yeah. single player or or even offline or even online, because apparently they tried to cater to the online, so everything had eight frame uh delay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, 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 it bad, and but... people just kept. Uh, abusing certain supers that are like nearly unreactable with an eight frame delay, right? Yeah, but the the, the the V triggers were from what I remember was like it would, um, I, the only ones I can really remember is like the Kali's and um, God, I can't remember like where there, there's like uh characters basically gain a resource, uh, like the V gauge in that game, and once they like fill it up or get to a certain threshold, they can activate something called V trigger, and that would have different things for the for different characters like there's no universal thing be like oh v trigger always does this for a character it's like it's it's character specific on like what v trigger does yeah um it's more like a combat mechanic in a way but mm-hmm. your character gains like a new move what when you can when you have a full bar and that that can change the entire momentum of the game right so for example i use karen uh she gets grin ken which is like crimson fists and what that does is like she has like this wrecking move where you can hit like twice. Then the third move can be anything. It could be like a throw. It could be like a like a reverse overhead or something. And it just confuses the shit out of your opponents. And and that can use be like to instantly come back from from a losing game, right? Yeah, so, and then that's totally different. From like something like a character like Nikali, because Nikali in that game when he be triggered, he'd like go to like a permanent like per, super like not super powered, but like a powered up state, which like. He like he would. Uh, he like, becomes Super Saiyan God. His hair turns red. Yeah, he has a different appearance, and like and that alters like the the properties of each of his like moves. So like that, he becomes a much more devastating character once he enters V Trigger, because now his moves are all powered up because of the state. It is you know, and and that that's gonna be different for every character. Yeah. Then well. um, to explain it even further, uh, so when they added the second V Trigger, that was in like season three. So Karen, you can you have to pick. You're forced to pick either one. You can't just get both and yeah it's v trigger one or v trigger two that they added yeah so like when they added the second one uh karen gets a counter but 
uh, the counter one is actually very strong, but at the same time, is that when you activate it, people know that you're going to use the counter, right? Now they know that you have it, so it's not a, a moment of surprise anymore. Right? So I feel like that kind of kind of demeans what, what it's supposed to be used for, so I don't use the second one as much. Yeah. Chow, how do you think Street Fighter Six will stack up versus... Um, Josh implied that Street Fighter V was not well-received, uh, when it was released. I'm not really sure about earlier than that. Street Fighter Six has done very well on Steam. It's broken sales records. Do you think this is a flash in the pan, or do you think that Capcom has really kind of succeeded in making this game approachable to a wide audience? I, I think they did the right thing with this game, because in Street Fighter V, um, even though I love the game, it did the game no favors, because you have a terrible online with terrible netcode, and the game is competitive only, there was no single player content. I know, like for me, I don't play fighting games for single player content, but there are players that, you know, when they buy a game, they expect to have a package and they don't get any of that. And so I feel like this game did everything to do the correct what was wrong with five. And I don't think it will fall off. I think there's like a strong following and it will just kind of grow from there. Yeah, I, I think it it's it's uh, it's the most promising start a fighting game could wish to to have. <laughs> I think they they really fired on all cylinders here. Um, it also helps game. that since it's crossplay, right. you're always going to have people to fight against. Yes, I think that's a big part of it. Is like not only does it have like you know netcode that feels good, but also it it being crossplay, uh, it just means the world for all, everyone. You know, you don't you never have to worry about like oh what. What, PlayStation what, is exclusive, guys. Like, fuck, uh, good idea. Well, but yeah, like, uh, where where are you where are you bu- buying the game? Where are you going to be at? Uh, like, you know, because you want to play with your friends, right? You have to worry about oh, like original, like traditionally, you'd be like, well, I guess I have to go play get the PS uh, version if you're going to get the PS. If I want to play with you now, with with this one right off the bat, you don't have to worry about that. Like, I remember I had to buy Guilty Gear Strive both on PlayStation and PC at launch That's... because I wanted to play with friends. That's the main reason I didn't pick up Strive at launch is that like half of my friend group wanted to play on PlayStation, half of my friend group wanted to play on PC. I didn't want to commit to any platform because I inevitably I was going to leave people out like I wasn't going to be able to play with them. Like now it's not a problem, but that was like, what, two years after the game came out? Yeah. Yeah, Why why, why do you play now after the nerf puts get you? Damn. Yeah. It's it's just but ridiculous it's... how long like you know that took so long. Like I get it. Like it like it's extremely challenging. I think Capcom just like they put their best foot forward, like as best right. of a foot as you can get. <laughs> All right. One thing I'm gonna say about this though. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter team is underneath the uh, Monster Hunter team now. This has mm-hmm. crossplay. Monster mm-hmm. Hunter Six better fucking have crossplay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, those are facts. I I, I hmm. is Exo Primal crossplay? I I don't remember. I think it's crossplay between Xbox and PC at least. Wait, between Xbox and what? PC. PC. Oh, not so PlayStation is just on its own. Let me check. Let me check. Okay, because that's the next Capcom release, and I was. Oh wondering. yes, it is. It is a uh, crossplay. Okay, cool. So there you go. But yeah, yeah. never never sign up for exclusive, even if. <laughs> Taking that check is not worth it. Okay, uh, what I'm interested in is, in is uh, Dragon's Dogma Two. Do you think pawns will be crossplay? I hope mm-hmm. so. If if it's tied to your Capcom ID and you're just uploading that, like in the uh, first game, I'm pretty sure there's no reason why it wouldn't be crossplay. I hope so. That'd be funny. 
Any other final concluding thoughts on your guys' initial impressions of the biggest release of the week? Not quite an RPG. Street if Fighter 6? If it wasn't for Zelda, this would be my game of the year. I, yeah, I, I, I love it so far. I, yeah, all I think about uh, lately is like how much I want to play more with friends and like, I, like I've, I, there's something about this game that like really like pushes me and drives me to learn it because I think I'm so fascinated like the flow of matches this game and like how how it really switches up like what I think of a traditional fighting game and what you do in a traditional yeah. fighting game. This will wow. be what gets me to start going to locals again. Oh, that's awesome. Support your locals if you can, for sure. We still got half a near. What what is anything more bigger than this? You would think sixteen Starfield, uh, yeah. Pikmin four. Most there's people still, don't care about Pikmin four, but I will. Damn it. There's there's still there's still a lot of uh, big video games this year, Chow. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's already been a like. I think if if nothing else came out this year, I would already be happy with what's released just within the first like six months of this year. Yeah, there's still a lot, man. There's still a lot I need to get back to, man. I, my backlog this year has been brutal. I um, need to, I need to finally finish Octopath too. I'm so close. I've been like picking at it every like couple weeks, and it's like, man, you're man. a busy man. But yeah, I, I mean, and I guess, and I guess, uh, I guess I can say now I'm not going to be on the podcast next week just because I'm going to be so busy with some games fest stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, good luck and, you know, uh, stay safe and uh, stay hydrated. Yeah. Uh, wait, what, what, what's the what's LA going to be like temperature wise uh, during around that time? Uh, let me check. Uh... Uh, cause, yeah, because it's that time of the year. It's June in LA. So it's like, well, I, I, know, I know lately it's been not as hot as usual, but I still don't know how it is. I have no idea what what it's like down there at the moment because for the last like basically month I've been at my parents' place in Idlewild, which is like further inland and mm. like the mountains. So, yeah, so it's uh, we're it's so we're recording this on the third. Summer's Games Fest is on the eighth, right? The actual like the 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 stage show. Do I have that right? Yeah. Well, according to Weather Underground, uh, next next weekend in LA is going to be topping up at around like uh, 70 degrees so it's going to be a perfect temperature oh damn that's pretty that sounds perfect yeah so i guess i didn't realize i mean we are we, we talked previously on this podcast like you know here comes june here comes not e3 we've got summer games fest we've got the xbox showcase and starfield direct on what the 11th so i guess that's next sunday so that'll be the day after we record uh next week's podcast but summer game fest is the 8th uh we have a few other publishers that are putting their hats into the rings for later in june so it's probably going to be a pretty steady stream of new announcements for the next few weeks. So I'm excited. And speaking like like Josh has stated, speaking of being kind of in the midst of so many games and in the middle of a lot of backlogs, uh, last week on the podcast, I talked a little bit about my Asthma Chronicles. I still haven't quite put enough time into that to have concluding thoughts on it. Still waking my way through Zelda. Um, but... One of the releases this week that I had to play and had to try out at least a little bit was, guys, it's real. You can play it. The System Shock remake did actually release. It is actually playable. And I decided to put a few hours into it. Um, hey, it, 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 the, it's actually real. That's crazy. Yeah. And, so, and I've, been, I've been hearing good things about it. So what, you, what you have to say. 
So I'm I'm not that far. Uh, I've only completed the the medical bay, like the very like the first map of the area. Oh, uh-huh. and um, I have played a handful of games, several of which that have pointed to the original System Shock as inspiration or like the spiritual processor predecessor. Like I played Bioshock, I played Prey, I played some other immersive sims, but I don't I don't have experience playing System Shock, so I cannot comment in terms of how faithful or not faithful this is, uh, whether or not I'm looking at a mechanic that uh, acts as it was back in 1990. What did this release? Four, 1994, early 1990s. Um, So so I can only speak to this remaster, sorry, remake from a very fresh perspective, but Mm -hmm. knowing that I've enjoyed immersive sims in the past, I haven't actually played like an immersive sim. And I know some people call that a fake genre, but whatever, um, since Prey in 2017. Uh, I kind of so, think of like if there's like any like big significant ones since, since Prey, because I was thinking it's like was Prey like the last one that I can really think of in this in this genre. Right. I'm sure there have been like indie vibes, but mm-hmm. like notable titles that like mainstream that hit the mainstream. So in a lot of ways, the System Shock remake does feel old school in a in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a very very brief opening, and then you're kind of in the gameplay proper within like seven minutes eight minutes so uh, the game is entirely first person so uh and you are you are an unnamed hacker and you the game opens up and you're trying to and the story is actually very light it's not very overwrought so a lot of this you just have to kind of glean from the context clues you're trying to like steal or hack into a business's software i believe it is like the tri optimum corporation to access some sort of neural implant it's like the new this this game takes place in like 2072 you know near future etc cetera, etc cetera. um and but you're caught as you're trying to hack through and you're you're arrested and then you end up being taken to this place called the citadel which is like a space station orbiting i believe saturn being run by this tri optimum you know it's your usual cyberpunk cyberpunk dystopian uh big corporate entity thing and this character named i believe it's edward diego is like hey i noticed that you tried to hack and you know hack our servers and get access to this neural link uh this new new implant this some new commodity that they're trying to um trying to sell if you help me i'll give you access to this what i want you to do this is edward diego talking to you the player character is i want you to um, our the Citadel is this big giant like space station that's being operated by an AI called Shodan. And even those of us like me who have never played System Shock know like at least of Shodan as like it's the it's the like the Cortana esque AI female avatar art that the that the it's like the logo of the game effectively. And uh, Edward is basically like, hey, I want you to disable Shodan's like ethical locks. Because I want to, I want to be able to harness it for my own purposes, and it's not exactly clear what, but he wants you basically to unleash this this AI, and you agree. You don't really have a say in the matter; you just agree. Um, and then you are put under, and you wake up six months later, and everything's gone to shit. I think it's six months later. You're on the Citadel. Shodan has run amok. Um, Edward Diego is nowhere to be found. All of the inhabitants of this thing are now replaced with like cyborgs and mutants, and Shodan basically seems to think of herself now as some sort of like God creature. And you try to have to figure out what's going on. And then like within eight minutes, you have your, your pipe wrench, you're in the medical bay and you're basically set off to like, 
go figure out what the hell happened and how to get out of here and how to deal with this. Very much like the the typical sort of like environmental storytelling where you're going to get audio logs, you're going to get uh, notes, you're going to find passcodes and in like diary entries and locked doors and you're going to you're going to find like one way passages you're going to find rooms and be like how do i access that uh so very much your usual sort of um uh your usual sort of flair for for the like the immersive sim it, it's i don't i'm trying to avoid using the prey comparisons because i know i'm kind of yeah. going backwards in that in that fashion but yeah. that's, that's for my personal experience just my gaming I mean, that's a lot I'm of people will share that, that perspective, you know, so that, I think that's totally okay. I mean, uh, you know, just the system shock is not like something that like mm-hmm. you need to have played the old game to like appreciate. I think it's, it's something that will be kind of under, under different lenses. And definitely, I'm sure, I assume most modern lenses will be like, hey, I enjoyed praise. So I'm definitely going to give this uh, a shot. Uh, they're, they're, they're like, uh, you know, way back when, like it was, it was a more novel thing at the time. And now you have to think about like, what modern advances can we make this feel fresh again, but in a way that doesn't completely like that isn't like completely detached or unfaithful to that original experience and sensation. I, I'm sure that there is some quality of life features that I'm like taking for granted and not even thinking of mm-hmm. that you know people who played the original are like. Well, it didn't work that way back in the '90s. That's just you know you're getting <laughs> thrown a bone for that. But I can't even parse what that would be without research. I will say right. though that well, the if I had to describe this game. Uh, in like a single word, uh, it's diegetic. And what I mean by that is, yes, this game has like an inventory menu and it's the usual sort of inventory where it's a it's a grid and certain items take up certain amounts of space and you have to make sure they have enough space to pick up whatever you want. You can pick up anything from like laptops to old like potato chip bags to stethoscopes and whatever else you want, coffee mugs. And some items are useful like ammo or weapons or health items, but other items you can just like recycle into like general scrap and then end up using uh, in other places. But what I mean by diegetic is that there are a lot of aspects of this game that do not take place in menus, even though they could have. And what I mean by that is for instance, you might come across uh, a vending machine and in order to use the vending machine, you don't just click on it and then pull up a menu. You actually have to interact with like the the coin slot and put in your credit. Then you got to click on the vending machine what you want, and then it'll dispense it, and you got to pick it up. Or you have a recycler, and you actually have to like open up the bay of the recycler. You you face it and you click on it. You you slot in whatever items you want to recycle, and then on the recycler itself, you have to find the switch like in the in the world space in the game space to press to run the recycler and then pick up your your resulting scrap or your resulting credits um whenever you find a corpse on the floor you can kick you can click the corpse to figure out if it's carrying any items or anything but it might also have a weapon next to the corpse or an audio log next to the corpse and it's not just all binned under like loot the corpse you have to actually look at look at it observe find it and pick it up so it's like stuff like that that i feel is like if this game was not a remake and was made today i feel like it would be a little bit more um compartmentalized where it would all just be binned in like some sort of auto loot or some sort of uh detective vision or something and there's none of that uh well there there is some there's a there's a feature that you unlock it's called like sensor array or something that gives you some sort of very limited detective vision sort of capability but it's actually built in game is like it uses your actual energy resource and things like that so it's it's balanced pretty well uh there are puzzles that involve like rerouting power 
you'll find like a circuit board on the on the wall. And when you go up to the circuit board, it's not like it pulls up a different menu, like a different mini game. Uh, you like while you're in the world space, you have to face a circuit board and you can flip your flip the switches and unplug it and reroute the power. And it does this without ever like loading screens or uh, taking the camera control away from you. Uh, or anything like that. So it's really, I hate to use this word because of the genre name I've been using, but it's really immersive. You're not pulled out of the, the moment. Um, it doesn't pause like while you're interacting with any of these objects. You can be attacked while doing it. Um, so you have to be able to be ready for that at any time. And then as I finished up on the medical bay and I accessed the elevator to go to the next floor, which I believe is like the research wing, for some reason, despite being conditioned to what I just described, I was totally expecting like a loading screen to be like, all right, I finished this floor onto the next floor. Nope, there wasn't any. I just took the elevator up. There was some silly kind of semi-humorous elevator music as a bunch of mutants attacked you. <laughs> and then you're on the uh, you're on the research wing, you know, seamlessly. And of course, it's not 100% seamless because I'm sure all those assets loaded in while you're on the elevator. But it was disguised well enough where you, you weren't... Um, you weren't ever pulled away in terms of uh, having the camera control removed from you or or literally a loading screen with a prompt or anything like that. It makes me wonder if they plan, if they, if they ever plan on like releasing like a VR version of this remake down the line, because I think everything you've described, like it's like, it's, it's, it's very insistent on not having a different menu screen when you're interacting with something. It's very insistent on always like keeping you, uh, in the moment without like ever taking your your view away from like the world itself and what you're seeing from like a first person perspective like what you know trying to try, try to emulate the first person experience um from from the get-go like i wonder if they do like maybe having vr support down the line for it this game would as someone who hasn't dabbled in vr that much since like 2017 since like the age of like the htc vive um this game does feel like it'd be really well suited for for VR, um, like even when you're pulling up like your menu, or uh, there, it does have like a pause menu, so you can you can pause the game. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like oh, but, no, you're, you're fucked. <laughs> but like if you're pulling up your inventory or you're looking at your map, that doesn't pause the game, at least not under the standard configuration. Maybe there's an option where you can change that. But like if you're mm -hmm. pulling up your map to try to get your bearings, or if you're trying to like, oh, I've got too many items in my inventory, let me do some item management. Like the game doesn't pause. You like you have to take care of and make sure you're in a safe spot before you do that, um, which can be frustrating if, for instance, you run out of ammo and you don't have your melee weapon equipped. You got to go into your menu while you're being attacked to get your melee weapon equipped uh, and to be able to do that. And it's I wouldn't it's it's a it's a I wouldn't have it any other way. It's inconvenient, but it, it kind of inconveniences you in a way where it requires you just like to strategize and think and plan. So I don't think of it as like it's not doing something that I wish it didn't in that sense. I'm interested in hearing more about like as you play it because there are definitely like my my memories of playing there are fuzzy, but there are like very like small instances of like there are different like puzzle solutions that were like man it would be a pain in the ass if I didn't like remember to do that in the, in this game. Like there's definitely like instances where like this feels like a pain in the ass, but that's because I forgot to do something small that would have made it a lot like more uh, more convenient at certain parts of that game. Like I think it's just like it's one of those things where you like I'd have to like pay attention to like what you can interact with in the environment, uh, you know, as you're playing through that game. Yeah, and sometimes it's 
does it highlight like, what you can interact with or is it like you're just fooling around no it doesn't at least at okay. least okay so the 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 ability that I recently unlocked is called let's see sense around which uses your energy to sense around you to find interactable objects. I've used it a little bit but it's not it's not as easy as like hold tab and all interactable objects are highlighted. You actually have to like I've revisited rooms that I'd already explored and taken out the enemies in and like oh crap there was an audio log on the desk that I just completely ignored and then you listen to it and that audio log will say oh the the I need you to dump the body of the botched medical exam in the maintenance tunnel north of the of the bay or something like that and this game doesn't do anything and this this is the, i don't want to say that this is like super novel because i know a lot of games do this but when you learn like a passcode or you learn a new piece of information from a an email or a note or an audio log it doesn't commit the game. The game doesn't commit it to memory for you. You've got to memorize it or or refer back to the media to find it. So I'm at the end of the armory and it's like, oh, here's the lo here's the log book or sorry, the, the passcode. And I don't remember what this is. Let me go back into my my media file and figure out what it was. I definitely the needed a notepad like to play the original. I do remember yeah. that. We're like, like, yeah, there, there are definitely spots where like, OK, this uh, this game will be kind of mean to you in that aspect. So. And then even even a little bit more simply, uh, there was this lift that I couldn't figure out how to activate. And it was just because the switch on the wall wasn't where I was expecting it to be. So that was just me like not being observant. But like you actually have to kind of un understand the game space and look at if I was at, if I was going to reside in this in this part of the, the station, what would make sense? Oh, here's the lift switch. I actually have to face this and press my interact key to to use this lift. It's not doled out for you. And that seems like I know that's a low bar. If I had just used my eyes, I would have seen it. But that's the sort of things where you have to be observant, where I'm sure I've walked into a room and on the left side of the room, potentially, there was an assault rifle that I just missed because the game doesn't point it out for you. It doesn't highlight it. It doesn't do anything for it. You just got to be observant and find it, whether it's supplies or um switches or information and for me i think i'm enjoying this game not because system shock is doing it at a way that no other game has but i just think this style of game has become a bit rarer at least in the triple a space i'm sure there's lots of indie or, or like double a titles that kind of evoke the same sort of um the same sort of feel but man for me i'm just like man i I've I guess I've been longing for this sort of game but didn't really realize it. It's very mm -hmm. it's very narrative light. Um it's it kicks you into the action right away. There's not a lot of overwrought dialogue. Um it's basically it's, a toy box. Like you're you're going into a playground and you have like all these little things you can like kind of play around with. And, but it, but it, but there's like nothing overhead that tells you you must do this to like get to the next uh, place. You're right. just kind of like fooling around with like what you have on hand and like mm -hmm. you'll get the occasional note that says oh you know i kind of did this or you kind of like you know there are there are there are there are things of interest that are written that written on those notes but you're not like mandated to always like you know always go there immediately mm -hmm. but yeah so those are my initial impressions and very very strong i can see why i don't want to speak like an expert because i'm only honestly like two and a half hours in it's very, very chill, despite the fact that it's kind of putting you on edge. I wouldn't call it horror, but it's creepy and it's moody. Uh, but it's very it's also very chill. Like I could I could see like playing this game like late at night with like mm. 
a warm beverage or, or, an alcoholic <laughs> be or an alcoholic beverage, whatever you want. Um, and uh, just kind of really vibing with it, uh, yeah. kind of piecing together your little scraps of information, figuring out your objective. There's a little bit of resource management. Oh, yeah, I guess I should speak on that just a tiny bit. I know immersive sim has kind of been treated like RPG adjacent, and it's kind of like that. Like your 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 items and your weapons will have stats. Like for instance, you start out with your lead pipe, and then eventually you get a wrench, and you can actually pull up the menu and say, okay, the wrench has lower reach but more damage. So it has a few like statistical based um, mechanics like that, and it has some resource management in terms of health packs, ammo, things like that. But that's all typical first person shooter or first person gaming in general. So it's not really an RPG, but it has some of that same sort of flavor to it. Uh, in my opinion, but mm. enjoying it a lot. And I'm like, I'm glad I just decided to like almost tease. I won't say glad, but we've been kind of teasing this game a little bit early in the year because of the delay and how long it's been in development. But I'm actually like, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm glad that I'm deciding to like actually give it a fair shake and kind of using I'm using the remake as an opportunity to like fill in like this. This game was a cult classic that a lot of people, you know, back in the day really uh, um, took a you know, adhere to pretty well. And I don't know, like, it'd be interesting to play through this and then see some impressions from those who played the original to discuss some of the finer details about how faithful it is or isn't, or if it made changes for the better, if it made changes for the worse. Because right now I'm I'm just unfortunately just blind to all of that. But um, that's fine. I mean, yeah, in my opinion, you don't, you don't need to. Yeah, yeah, ignorance is bliss. And if, you know, if I'm not aware of how it was, but I'm enjoying what presented for me now, then that's all that really matters. But yeah. The last game that we have listed here before we go into a uh, relatively light news section is uh, a game that James wanted to talk about last week, but we were uh, had a lot of other games on the docket, and we knew that this week we'd probably have space for it. And that is Destiny 2. Now, for Destiny 2, I've, I've been on the fringes of this game. I know that James talked about about a month ago the new Lightfall expansion. Plus, I saw that it had a more very brief... Like, it was more than a month ago? Like, it came out in like the end of February. Wow, damn. Time's flying. So, like, three uh, months ago. <laughs> And then uh, we it had a brief appearance, of course. Now Bungie is a Sony studio, of course, uh, at the at the PlayStation Showcase. But you said you you wanted to talk about Destiny Two uh, new updates today, or actually last week. So tee us up. Is this like post Lightfall, like seasonal yes. content? Yes. So basically, okay. the way that Destiny Two works is that uh, even though you don't play a subscription for it, it's basically a subscription MMO where every couple of months you get a major patch that adds in new story content, uh, new like gameplay stuff, and basically just moves the story forward. Uh, realistically, if you're actually playing Destiny, you probably get the $100 edition every year, and then you just don't have to worry about paying for anything else for the rest of the year. <laughs> um, does make it kind of hard to catch up because unlike other MMOs, you do have to buy everything separately. It's not just, okay, you buy the base game, then the latest expansion, you have everything. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, you just, maybe you just stated this, but like to play the content that just came out, do you have to have Lightfall? Like do you buy you into need Lightfall? To have, you need to have Lightfall and you need to have the season pass for, for the current season, which is season of the deep. Gotcha. Now, okay. what I said is, is that most people that actively play Destiny probably buy the premium edition of an expansion, which comes with everything that they that they need for the entire year without worrying about it. 
Gotcha. So it because we got sent to code for the premium edition, that means that I have the other three seasons for the game besides the first season, which was season defiant. So that's season of the deep. And then there's two more that are going to be coming before uh, the final uh, main destiny Two expansion next year in the final shade. So for this one, uh, got a new sort of not really a strike, which is like a kind of uh, mission, but it's like something similar. Every week, they're going to be adding a new one for a bit until they're like capped out on how many of the uh, missions are going to be adding. And you can do those on rotation for the weekly uh, like missions and whatnot and uh, to level up the level for your season pass, see new aspects of the story and whatnot. Uh, one of the main things they added this season, in addition to the main content, is because it's it's uh, an ocean-themed, like, Season of the Deep affair, they added a fishing minigame. And, like, on a number of different planets in the, in the game, there's, like, out, like, fishing spots that, as you're doing, like, uh, public events, as you're doing the seasonal event, you get these bait, like, get, you get bait that you can use to actually fish. There's like a bunch of different fish you can catch that and there's like achievements for getting each of each of them. There's like something like 50 or 60 of them. And there's like unique fish, depending on the world you're you're, you're fishing on. And then like uh, there's different rarity fish and the different rarities correspond with the rarities you can get for weapons and gear. And you can actually go back to the helm, which is this kind of hub area and deposit any of the fish you got. And you'll actually be able to see the the each of the unique fish that you've caught in that area throughout the season, like That's in an so aquarium thing. Weird. Yeah. How do you okay? How, how do you fish in Destiny? Um. So basically, you go up to the fishing pool, you press E or whatever yeah. the interact button is on consoles, and then you see the fishing line. And when it like gets tugged and lights up, then you want to press the interact button again as quickly as possible. And the quicker you press it, the higher likelihood that you'll get a higher rarity fish. Oh, okay. so it's like, it's like reaction based based on like how fast, how quickly you can press the interact button at the uh, yeah right time, huh? Yeah, if you're too slow, you'll just you won't catch anything. You'll just have an empty hook. But um, it's not a guarantee you'll always get like the best quality if you do it immediately. It just increases the chance of getting a higher uh, quality fish. And uh, obviously, well, not obviously, one of the things that makes this uh, fishing minigame kind of neat is that there's like a reason to do it. Mm. <laughs> Besides yeah, just yeah. like, a, like a cooling down, like having some fun after like a raid session or whatnot. So, so like, is it actually Every like viable rarity... to like get like, it, it, like, is it viable to like get raid ready in that game? To, I wouldn't say it's fishing. viable to get raid ready necessarily, but if you just want to try and get some different like gear roles, because when you deposit the fish, you'll get okay. gear equivalent to how many of each fish you had for the different rarities. So if you had a blue fish, you get a blue uh, rarity gear. If you had a purple oh, fish... Oh, is this like a random roll? Yeah, it's a random roll. Oh, that's or, funny. Or actually, I, I, think <laughs> it, I think it might be based off of the seasonal loot table. Okay. But still, but still yeah. <laughs> it's like, in a way, you're like using the fish that you caught as like, almost like gotcha currency <laughs> you can catch an exotic fish and then you then you already know i got an exotic weapon waiting for me to deposit it and you get an exotic weapon or like gear <laughs> item when when you uh 
when you go to turn it in. So, Chow, are, 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 we, are we giving Destiny another shot, dude? No way, man. I don't <laughs> play first-person shooter games, man. You don't want to fish to gotcha? No. Well, like, can't you play Destiny third-person? Well, yes and no. Some aspects are third person, some aspects are first person. Most of the time, it's it's first person. Right. But um, but yeah. In addition to that fun uh, stuff, they also added in a new dungeon that is so that the new dungeon, um, Ghosts of the Deep, released at the same time, well, around the same time as the seasonal drop, but it's not included with the season. This is one of those things that I think. A lot of people that even play Destiny now are really critical of. But basically, even if you have the season pass, even if you have Lightfall, in order to run this dungeon, which is basically a min a smaller three person raid, you have to buy it separately. You need to buy the dungeon key, or you or it comes with the premium uh, um, pass. But one of the things that's especially annoying is that they've um it's either the dungeon key itself or the seasons themselves they've raised the price of and you can't buy seasons separately through like steam or the playstation store or like xbox live you have to buy them in game using silver which is the premium currency and the thing is is that they've raised the price of the seasons to 1200 silver but the um you can buy silver in increments of 500 1000 2000 or a little bit more than that that so feels like that feels like old game. school Xbox. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. like that sounds like Microsoft points back when it's like you'd have to overspend your real world currency to get this awkward number of premium currency, <laughs> yeah. and that's how, and that's and that, that just feels like I thought people oh, I'm, thought we, I'm I thought sure we moved away from that. I'm sure that's where they learned it. <laughs> uh, that just that just feels like I feels like a something designed in like 20, 2008 or something like that. Yeah, oh, I, I have I have a question since we have someone on the call here that's uh, somewhat. We still caught up with Destiny. I have a question. Yeah. In uh, the recent PlayStation showcase, when they showed off a uh, Destiny tra trailer, uh, why is Nolan North back in that game? We don't know. So that's uh, the final shape uh, story content, which is three seasons from now. <laughs> okay. So, oh, yeah. so How do you know any, it's three seasons like, from now? Sorry. Because uh, there's the rest like, of this season, and then the two more seasons for Lightfall, and then there's the season that will release alongside the final shape. All right. Wait, so, so like when you get when you get Lightfall, you already know how many seasons it's gonna be because they communicated that. Yes. Okay. There's a season every three months. About so. About okay. So. And and uh, expansions release once a year, so there's a season that drops with the expansion, and then there's three more seasons throughout the year, and then there's a season that drops with the next expansion. Okay, so yeah, so it's on a, a cycle based, like predetermined. Yeah. So when they say that it's a season, there it really is a season it's... of content. Got it. I think I got okay. it. <laughs> okay. So we'll, 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 we'll find out in like a year. I it it feels like especially kind of laying it out. It feels a little bit grimy talking about Destiny 2's content like uh, cycle. But that's how they built it from the for straight up. Like it's yeah. like it's, it's like from the ground up. It was always meant to be this way. Yeah. Um, and again, I will say. 
if anyone listening ever wanted to, wanted to get into Destiny, I'm sorry, but just buy the premium edition. Like, add an expansion launch when everything's on sale. Just buy the previous expansions, get the premium edition. If you're serious about playing the game, it's much less headache. It saves you money in the long run. Because if you're serious about playing the game, you're going to want to play the seasons anyways, because it has story content. And as I've mentioned in the past, once the next expansion comes out, like for now, like the seasonal content from Season of Defiance, which was the launch season for Lightfall, is still in the game. But come the final shape, Season of Defiance, Season of the Deep, and the other two seasons from Lightfall, all that content, or at least all of the story content, gone. You won't be able I, to access I it. I wonder how many people are like are, are still like picking up Destiny Two as like a complete newcomer. Like like well, like I, I really wonder about like the like, what the if it, what the rate of like new players are to, to that game like on a yearly basis is. I would have to yeah. think that it would have to be a focus for Bungie because if every year ninety percent of everyone who's playing currently playing Destiny regularly continues, but ten percent drop off, then they're just going to have a shrinking, shrinking, shrinking player base. So they got to be able to entice new players in somehow. This in the I... face of the the content vaulting thing that we discussed ad nauseum back in February. My bet is, is that they have a plan for after the final shape, there will be a soft reboot and they'll think they'll like make the argument that now is the best time to get into Destiny. Because they'll remake Destiny after Destiny 2 and just call it Destiny. They'll call it The Something Destiny. Like <laughs> the yeah. Destiny. They'll call it The Destiny at first and then drop off The. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, so... Chow, I was raiding in Destiny um, this last two weeks instead of uh, raiding in 14. Damn. Because the... Uh, Don't worry, I have... I'm going into Party Finder this weekend, but I am terrified because there's like four or five different strats for P9S Limit Cut, and it's like, oh, this is going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> you know what I hate about 14 is that people adapt terrible strats and they stick with it, and they refuse to do adapt better strats oh yeah i keep seeing people refer to this current like p9s uh jp strat as brain dead and all i'm thinking is just use cryo and oppo because at least if 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 one half of the team is doing cryo and the other half is doing oppo you're not gonna kill each other because they're compatible strats they, they never learn yeah god <laughs> anyways Going into the mines this weekend. That's the other reason I've been playing Street Fighter. I don't want to have to deal with Party Finder. I can't wait to play for Street Fighter. When's this podcast going to end? Come on, uh, guys. Want to play? <laughs> we end it right now. Just play That's it. That's how it's on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, the new besides my issues with like monetization, like the new Destiny 2 update is like legitimately good. The story's off to an interesting start. The new dungeon is fantastic. Uh probably the best one they've added to the game so far so it's like i i i gotta admit that i i probably wouldn't be enjoying the game as much if it wasn't for the fact that i have people that are like a consistent group of people that are willing to do the yeah raid that's big the, 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 that's the that's the reason why like uh, the, the few times i i i went back back and forth to destiny 2 is because there was a consistent group that i was playing with yeah but it's like if you have a group of friends to play it with that can help get you into the game, I legitimately think Destiny 2 is one of the better MMOs out there. It just sucks if you don't, and you shouldn't even try. Anyways, on to the news. 
Yep. So that was kind of a very interesting games talk section of the podcast. But I think that we got a, some interesting insights and impressions for all three titles, including Street Fighter Six, System Shock and Destiny 2. Uh, we have a few other features that I went up on RPGSite.net about games that we'd spoken about previously on the last two or three episodes of the podcast. Um, like, for instance, we talked was it last week about Forspoken's new DLC. Um, I won't rehash that conversation here, but after Adam and I finished the DLC for Forspoken in Tanta We Trust, Adam just decided, you know what, you know what we're we owe to the to the wider gaming world. We never wrote a Forspoken review. So Adam wrote a very late, belated Forspoken review. Um, so you can read that up on the site, but this it's going to be a lot of the same written impressions that we gave back in January for the base game and more recently with the new DLC. Adam also wrote, uh, this is actually a new release uh, for this podcast, the review for the Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection. So this is the re-release of the first three Etrian Odyssey games, the original versions, to uh, PC and Switch. He, and actually played, he actually played through and beat all one, two, and three before that review went up it just... not not only that but he did like super boss on hardest difficulty clear like, yeah like, like he put uh, in a hot he put in like 120 hours i don't know if it was that much but several 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 hours games that adam has already played but he's like it's on steam now so i gotta play through it again and i, I gotta play it for real no shortcuts um adam has not not recently but in the past on you know yesteryear of the podcast 2020 2021 era uh talking or spoken highly about etrian odyssey and is a series that he likes a lot uh he thinks that this collection is a very um smart and um available option for those looking to get in the series but he did say that even though adam has wrote nearly 100 reviews up on the site and hardly would ever talk about um price because it's so subject subjective, he did call it out here as kind of this is one of the more odd pricing strategies of recent memory. All three games are available individually for forty dollars each, or as a bundle for eighty bucks. So it's like, I think either I think both is kind of overpriced. But again, it is very subjective. But if you're interested in the collection, you're looking at eighty bucks for games that originally came out on the DS. And that, and that would be if you're not even sure you would like all three of them. And from the same publisher where you can get like Persona 3 and 4 on PC for like 20 bucks a pop for the price of one Etrian, Orison, Etrian Origins game. Yeah, it's, so. it's, 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 it's a weird one. I think, I think the thing that I am most interested about, like I hope they share this, the development team shares this, but like the reason that this Origins collection and that, like, part a big part of the reason this was even a thing was like feedback on how to basically make the next Ectrian game that doesn't have a DS in mind. They're like trying to like they, they're like at this crosses of like, oh my god, how are we gonna make a dungeon crawler without dual screens? <laughs> you know, and they're looking for feedback. Like, do you like what we did with um this Origins collection? Like, there's like two there's like two modes or like perspectives where you can like play this Origins collections at that um. At, Right, you have like your standard full screen mode, uh, just like uh, you know, you can like have the whole screen be like your dungeon like uh, perspective and like be more menu driven, or you can have it more more split where like you're all you always have like it, it kind of adopts like the do like what you see on the DS screens, but all on like one screen split off into like three separate parts where like the uh, one half of the screen is like you know, the the 
you would see the dungeon in a four by three aspect ratio, and then the other half is like your dungeon uh, map. making map tools. Where like, and then like half of that is like the, the the dungeon that you're actually traversing, like like a grid, and then like the the top half is like the little icons you can use to like kind of fill out that map, which is an inter- like a, a really interesting. And I wonder like how people feel about that, like whether people. Well, I'm kind of interested to see like how people respond to it and what what their um what feedback they'll get out of that. Yeah, Adam I'm said curious. that he played he played it with the map pretty much pulled up to full size, so it sits on the right side of the screen his entire time. But he said he had a monitor that was big enough to do that. Where if you're playing this, for instance, like on Steam Deck, that might make the visual real estate too small. But yeah, there's a couple options at least. And he also did make sure that there's a lot went into this re-release that probably could go underappreciated but like this is a ds game so a screen that was i think he puts it in here like 300 sorry 256 by 192 pixels and now it's got to be playable on pc up to like 4k and so like how much did 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 they have to like rework the art um make sure that everything works with that level of like pixel density in terms of like the menuing and allowing for new cursor support and he basically said that despite the pricing still being kind of a weird um anomaly that the amount of effort put into the port was well appreciated and he said he had a really good time with it yeah that's cool so yeah i mean it's bad like actually just like even even though like in any less like crowded like gaming space like i think this would be like a more significant like thing to like kind of appreciate but like since like there's so many releases like you're kind of like back and forth like you know uh, incoming game big games coming and like a whole shitload of like games uh, like on our plate here but like actually i'm finally getting out of, like the ds prison you know right. it's pretty fucking cool <laughs> and you don't have to spend a fortune getting the ds ports <laughs> Like, well, like, like, what we're talking games, about, you're you're still playing, you're still paying a small fortune to get the remasters. Yeah, but the, yeah, but these games are like great. Like you know, just mm. having them like preserved is awesome. Mm. Another review that went up on the site that we talked about previously on the podcast briefly is uh, the May release of Fuga Melodies of Steel Two. James was able to play through the game and write up his formal final thoughts on Fuga Two and put those up this week as well yep good game uh i could definitely understand how some people would uh maybe play through this and think it's a bit too similar to the first game uh but i feel like it's uh, one of the I, I feel like iterative sequels can be a good thing and i definitely feel like fuga 2 is a good example of that mm-hmm. like it really kind of expects you to be familiar with the gameplay loop from the first one and just builds upon it Without necessarily like reinventing everything, mm-hmm. I, I do think though that Fuga Three needs to be a more like significant like maybe reinvention, especially with some of the stuff they're teasing with the secret movie. So hopefully they uh, they uh, give it the time it deserves. Uh, who, who knows though? Who knows? And the last review that we have up on RPGSite.net is another. Uh, new release that is coming out on the 6th here in the West. And that is Loop 8 Coop Summer eight. of... <laughs> Thanks for preempting me, Chow. Uh, Loop 8 Summer of Gods. So this was announced back in a Nintendo Direct last year. Um, it's a game from Exceed and Marvelous. 
that is has kind of been described and marketed as kind of like a social sim RPG hybrid, lots of comparisons to Persona, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had a few people on staff that were kind of interested in just the concept of the game as a new IP. Uh, and Cullen, we were hoping to get him on this episode of the Tetracast, but he wasn't available. We'll see if we'll be able to get him uh, within the next couple of weeks to talk about this. Uh, unfortunately, he did not have a great time with Loop 8, Summer of Gods. Uh, he said that that the game is very thin in terms of the conceit of acting out the same events in a um, time loop over and over again without a lot of variation. Instead, this game has a lot of the usual like social elements where you're increasing your bond and favor with the different cast of characters. Uh, these characters all have like three different parameters. I think it's like affection, hatred, and uh, I forget what the third one is, but you kind of tear those up and it just seems like the way that Cullen described it in his review is that surprisingly and unexpectedly loop eight is a game that's like 70% about stats and just kind of grinding stats up and just getting these parameters higher and higher and higher in order to progress the story. And he just, the way he describes it in his review is that he ended up just kind of getting bored. There wasn't enough variation from loop to loop. He thought it was a bit of a grind. He didn't think the characters are very endearing. There's a lot of dialogue that you're going to hear over and over again. And he just, it just didn't, he had a lot of excitement for it and it didn't pan out. A lot of good ideas, clear, but the execution yeah, to, wasn't to, good. To be clear, he wasn't the only one who didn't enjoy it. There are other outlets who had reviews out for this too. And A good 70% yeah. of the outlets that reviewed this game did not like it. And you know why it sucks? It's because they basically made the horror he endlessly into a video game. I was gonna say yeah, what <laughs> someone did. <laughs> oh, mm, but yeah. Look, have we ever played a good time loop video game? Yes, of course. Nosia. Which one? Nosia. Oh. oh yes, I forgot about that. But I'm trying to think of a of a bigger horror story, like Little Witch Academia and the Chamber of Time. You're stuck in a time loop. I like how he asks, he asks for a good example of a time loop game. You give him one, and then he just ignores it. He's like, oh, besides, besides Nozia, all those other terrible time loop games. Also, if it was a, a video game uh, version of uh, Endless Aid, it would actually be a good video game. But yeah, you can read up Colin's full reviews up on the site. Even though he didn't like the game in the end, he did substantiate its thoughts and write a pretty thorough review up on the site. Uh, and did talk about a few things that the game did at least have good ideas conceptually, even if the execution didn't quite pull through. I know that uh, site friend Alex Seedhouse was also playing it for his website, Nintendo Insider. I don't know if his review is published, but he was feeling uh, a lot of similar ways and hearing him and Colin go back and forth as they were finalizing their impressions was a bit of a bummer just to see that it didn't quite pan out. Uh, before we go on to the news, uh, there's one other feature that I'll call out on the site, and that is the Street Fighter VI World Tour mode review that Josh put up on the site. It's titled like a review. It's it's an unscored review because it is specifically focused on the World Tour mode. And then, of course, Josh gave his uh, thorough impressions on that in the first part of this podcast. But in case it wasn't clear, there is also a write-up uh, up on the site as well. And Josh went very thorough into exactly how that feature plays and his impressions on it. Yeah. Behind the scenes, it was, uh, it, it's kind of like a... Alex edited it, and um, I, I think it's like a good, it's a good mixture of our styles, let's say, because like Alex, Alex and I have very like, um, conflicting like styles of writing, and like it kind of meshes up pretty well in this in this piece. If you if you're interested in uh, giving it a read, it's funny whenever whenever Alex edits an opinion piece, 
if he's not that into it, he'll just be like, yep, looks fine. But if he's really passionate about it, he'll try to like poke. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you should have seen the Google Doc, man. It looked like a fucking, not a massacre. I think it ended as a stronger piece at the end. I really appreciate it. We had, we had a lot of uh, mm. fun uh, getting this up. Yeah, it's a, it, was, it was great. It was a great opportunity. I never thought I would uh, quote unquote review Street Fighter for uh, RPG site. On to the news, which is very, uh, it's very quiet this week because mostly what we're looking at, as we kind of discussed a bit ago, is that in the next two or three weeks, we have all the different publishers' summer events kind of starting to tee off. So it feels like, you know, the usual usual saying of calm before the storm, et cetera, et cetera. But we do have a few things here. Uh, We do have one small kind of indie game announcement here. And so this game announcement is for an RPG inspired by Skies of Arcadia called Sky Oceans Wings for Hire. This is being published by P-Cube and being developed by Octeto Studio. Octeto Studio. And we got a new announcement trailer for this game. It's very, very brief. It's got a very like chibi art style. It's only about 30 seconds. Um, So it has kind of like the flashy headline of saying, hey, this is a game that's being inspired by uh, Skies of Arcadia, which of course is a well-regarded, very classic RPG. But no other details other than this announcement from P-Cube and a few screenshots. Something to keep an eye on, but I don't know if there's really a whole lot more to speculate on at this point. Uh, We got some very small, tiny bit pieces of news for the upcoming, not Final Fantasy 16, but Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. This shit is is so weird. Yeah, which is, of (laughs) course, coming out. Some really dumb questions and dumb answers. All right. What's happening, Brian? So, of course, we're only a few weeks away from Final Fantasy 16. But Square Enix is, of course, also working on the follow-up to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, currently slated to release winter this year. Um, And then after being quite quiet for the last while, we have from the official Twitter account just some kind of screenshotted FAQ question and answer about, you know, like, I guess we're at the very start of ramping up marketing for this game. but these these screenshots are a bit strange. And what it is, is that it poses a question, not exactly who proposed this or if it's just being answered in an FAQ like format. And they're the, the right now at the time of recording, they've given two little infographics and there's not a whole lot here. So don't get your excitement out. The first one says, question, how is development progressing on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? And then answer, we are currently working on nailing down our release date for the game. Uh, you have to say, uh, specify they bolded or nailing down the release date. Oh yeah, so there, there's they 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 changed like the font and the size and the color several different times on these little infographics, and that that one's kind of fine. Like when that one was uh was the only image that they shared, it's like okay, they're still working on a release date. That's that's okay. The second one was a little bit more strange. Where question. How will players journey through the world outside of Midgar in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? Answer. Players will be able to journey across the wide and multifaceted world with a, this is in bold text, high degree of freedom, experiencing a myriad of different stories along the way. Jesus Christ. It's And the thing is, is I don't want to poo-poo on this so much, but it's, it's so like nebulous that there's really, it's, it's interesting that they decided that they wanted to, market in this fashion it's dumb marketing i mean i'm I'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it's stupid (laughs) 
So and, it's, just, and you, it's, it's like stupid, like it's like it's like easy ways for people to get excited over like kind of nothing, but yeah. it's there. It like it's acknowledging that it exists, and then you know that's what that that's what people actually want for, for them to acknowledge it exists. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of watching sports, and every time you know after like the game, they'll ask like the coaches these questions, and it's like oh, the yeah. stupidest questions ever. It'll be like, "Oh, what do you think you did differently in this team?" And they will do like the same answers like every day, repeating the same shit. <laughs> It's like, come on. It's kind of it is kind of like that, where it's like we're going to give players a high degree of freedom because, of course, they're not going to say like, well, actually, we're going to lock it down and direct them what to do. Yeah, that, like, that, that, we promise we'll make sure you can't do yeah, shit. Gonna, right? gonna, you can't do shit <laughs> outside oh. of. <laughs> I, I will. I will say though that I, it's been long enough since Final Fantasy VII remake that I'm really excited for the next chapter and seeing what they will do with it. There's just oh, nothing. Yeah, specific, sure. There's just nothing from this particular nugget of information to, to the, the, my excitement is not being generated from this q a it was uh it's it's more from my experience with the with the with the base remake the you know remake. what they should do they should have these question and answer things at the back of ff16's like you know box like you know instead of like the, like the, the general description like people don't care about what that is like people just want to know what's happening in the next final fantasy so they say you'll you'll get exclusive Q and A's at the box of the of sixteen's box art. Bam, bam, more sales. So they don't have to keep worrying about its pre order number. Easy. Hire me, Square Enix. I know what uh, what's best. I'm just looking people for the sound department. Sorry. <laughs> Here's a bit of news that might interest a few people here if they hadn't already played the game. And I know that this had been brought up in the past as something that should have been done, but. As to Libra Revision, a game that Josh and Chow and Adam all thought pretty highly of last year, just received a revised English localization patch, which I, I as far as I saw this headline, and I, to me, this was like a surprise. Like, I didn't know this was in the works. Did we know this? It, it uh, was in the works yeah. in the interview that Josh did with the creator. Oh, oh yeah. okay. I, I had forgotten that nugget. I remember the part about the um, uh, the Switch version. That was kind of like the the big reveal from that interview, but didn't realize that I or I'd forgotten that they were working on reworking the the translation. Yeah, oh, um, there, there, there's some more infos. Like, um, was it? It was actually like this this patch thing. It was actually out like a couple months before, but it didn't fully complete the story. It was kind of like there you're getting like new translation, like a, a work in progress through. Like up to like chapter six, but now it's like the entire story is fully relocalized now. But the, what's really cool about this patch, like, um, I haven't seen like the like any compare like a compare contrast. Like, uh, I I think people say you know it, it reads better, it, like it flows better. But what, what's cool how they're handling it is like it's kind of like an opt in. Like you can you can choose between the old or the new. It's not like completely rewriting the old. Like you can actually just like opt into the new English translation instead. I don't think there's a I don't know if there's any plans for them to like actually like just go over right over the old one um which is nice because i because while definitely there are problems with the original uh translation for sure it does sort of have like that um kind of like 90s jrpg sort of like jankiness charm yeah it has that charm because my friend still sticks with the original translation and like well it's like yeah uh, it's okay it's readable but i i prefer something better and i actually tried it out the new translation feels great i i love i love it it's like every character like they they convey their message much better while the original is just like it feels like 
you know, playing RPG from the nineties, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Some people like that. Some pros and cons. I wonder right. if they'll do that for the Switch release. If they'll let let them play with the old or the new, that'd be yeah, kind of weird. Because right now they you can opt in using the Steam beta branch feature to opt into the old patch, which like Josh said, it's kind of neat that they're not overwriting it. They're like, nope, this is how the game released. You can still play it this way. We've updated it to give you an option. We're not going to pretend the old the old translation never existed. But for Switch, I don't know if they have the same vehicle to offer that. But if, I, if they figure out a way to do it, I hope I kind of hope they do, but just not sure what's available to them on that on that OS. Well, it could be like a language setting. It'll be like it's like English or English old or you know like No, yeah, yeah. I, probably, I hope they do. I hope they do. Be probably something like that. But yeah. Yeah, it would be like uh, English in parentheses classic and then English parentheses modern. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> modern Easy. English or classic English. Easy. We have one kind of sales update slash announcement of an announcement uh, here. And that is that CD Projekt has announced that The Witcher 3 has sold over 50 million copies, which is insane. The series, the series itself has sold over 75 million copies overall, including the original and Witcher 2. And then Cyberpunk 2077's DLC, Phantom Liberty, will have a showing of some sort at Summer Games Fest 2023, which again is like the stage show for that is on the 8th. So within a week, we'll see that DLC um, footage. Uh, they didn't, they didn't share how much a Cyberpunk has sold? Uh, as far as I know, they they, they didn't. Um, I mean, it sold a lot. It's just they didn't provide any. I know, here. Yeah, yeah, it's just weird. They, they only highlighted the Witcher 3 getting over yeah, that. Yeah, they, they highlight the Witcher 3 sales update, but then say... Um, because there are Witcher projects in the works too. Yeah. So they say, here's our here's a sales update for our Witcher series, and you're gonna get a marketing update for Cyberpunk um stuff coming in uh next week. So the sales updates for the original Witcher and Witcher 2. What the come on. We need we need a full breakdown. <laughs> but just again, just the usual conversation about how we have these like orders of magnitude differences in depending on you know, the publisher and just the series in general, how some games can sell a million and be a massive success. And then Witcher three is like, how about 50 million? And I, I, I want to see like, I want to see like a bar graph of like the sale overall sales of Witcher one and then the overall sales of Witcher two, and then compare that to like Witcher three by, by it. Yeah. And then the rest of the, uh, the rest of the slate here of news pose is mostly about either release dates or event dates about when we're going to learn more information about upcoming games. And I believe I have this mostly um, chronological, but let's see, I probably I probably don't have it quite right. So in order, we already talked about how Summer Games Fest is going to be next week. We'll be able to hopefully talk about that uh, next week's episode of the TetraCast. Also in the next week, we're gonna have the final digital event for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak uh, on June 7th. James has mentioned in the past that it's kind of, we're at where Monster Hunter Rise has been out a few years now and see kind of what is next for Monster Hunter. What what, what is Monster Hunter 6 going to be? Um, And I know that seems maybe unfair to look at a Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak event and wonder, well, what's next? They outright said that the the previous title update was basically the last one. This is basically a bonus one where we get one final new monster, which is a variant of Malzino. And 
like some slight changes, but it's not a major title update. It's like the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. So it's like for all intents and purposes, besides this, uh, Sunbreak is done. Mm -hmm. They've finished supporting it. So it, it we are heading into the moment. We are heading into the moment where we should start hearing about Monster Hunter 6. Uh, especially considering that World came out in early 2018. So it's been over five years since then. It was a different team that worked on the updates and Iceborne. So we it's could. Been, it's been cooking for a while. Yeah, we probably won't get it this year. They would have announced it by now, but there was a good chance. Well, we are almost certainly going to get it next year. Like I, I would put money on that. And for those that have kept up to date with Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak and want to see what the final update is, uh, we'll have that event in just a few days. Then later in June, on June 9th, we'll get the PC releases of Dungeons Travelers 2 and Dungeons Travelers 2-2. Uh, we talked about this announcement uh, about a month ago or so when it was made. And again, these are coming to PC through the Joren launcher because they weren't approved to release on Steam. But I for... do want to put special notice on the fact that that is still messed up. Dungeon Travelers 2, you can say a lot of things about it, but it was rated by the ESRB. It got an M rating, but the ESRB was fine with it. And yet, Steam wasn't fine with it? That's whack. That's I feel like, whack. Yeah. I feel yeah. like they put way worse games on Steam. They do. They do. Right. So it's <laughs> like, and it's... And, and, and two... And two... Um, Shirovun's credit, they are saying that they are looking into the possibility of releasing it on other storefronts. Hopefully we can get a GOG release or something. Epic Game Store. Yeah, it's just, it's messed up. I do want to play these eventually. Unfortunately, this is just the worst possible time for them to release in. Yeah, it's bad, dude. <laughs> it's like, literally, if, like, if it wasn't for 16 coming out in two weeks, or a little more in two weeks, Maybe, but all of next week, I'm just going to be swamped with work between like mm -hmm. Summer Games Fest and all sorts of other things that are not like directly related. But basically, it's the equivalent of E3. E3 is dead, but at least on my end, it's it's not like anything's changed. Mm -hmm. And so. like for, for me, uh, I'm looking I'm looking at like. Final Fantasy 16 is like a due date. Like you got to finish Miasma Chronicles and then System Shock. And I still haven't finished um, War Tales and here's or the Pokemon thing. or Zelda. And <laughs> so. that's like, I know that both Dungeon Travelers 2 and 2-2 are 100 plus hour dungeon RPGs. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can, I, can, I can vouch for that. I, I played uh, the original quite a bit. It's like, it's like, I'd love to cover that. And, and hey, if Shiragoon's listening, they're fine with a delayed release. I, I'm down to like get like get to it in my free time and like and cover it for the site i i'm putting that like putting that out mm -hmm. publicly but it's like i don't think really anyone on the site has time in their schedule right now to bum rush to 100 hour uh, uh dungeon uh, rpg i didn't realize they were that long but... man yeah i i'm I, I don't know i don't know we, we need to like somehow find more time yeah. <laughs> just magically in the space time continuum we'll grab more time and and, and the thing that especially sucks about this is that if these were on steam it would be way easier to make time for it because these would 100 play on steam deck i'm sure of it 
That sucks. <laughs> I don't know, like, if you do, like, install, like, is there any way to, like, kind of install well, these Jordan harvesting has, like, really, like, intensive DRM, and I don't know how that would play with oh, Viper. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's the main reason people are upset that they're on Joran, but it's, like, also, like, as of right now, that was the only option they had. Like, we knew, like, months ago that they were working on this on, well, we didn't know specifically Aquapla, well, not, I'm sorry, specifically Shiravoon, but we could guess that they were working on this based off of the fact that it showed up as being banned on Steam. It's like... It stings because all the other Shiravoon announcements lately are coming to Steam as well. Yeah, and it's and it's easy enough to say that the reason why Chaos Head managed to get on Steam after all that shenanigans is unfortunately for Shiravoon and fortunately for Spike Chunsoft, a science adventure and Spike Chunsoft are bigger properties and games, well, bigger properties and publishers than Shiravoon. Like, I'm pretty sure there's games that like Chunsoft is published on PC that have sold at least close to a million copies. So they probably have some sway to get a reevaluation. Shiravoon, no way in hell. It sucks, but that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no new news here about the date, but just a reminder as we're going in order, uh, June 11th is the... Uh, date for the Xbox Game Showcase and the Starfield Direct. The only real bit here is that uh, Microsoft and Xbox put out a tweet that was just advertising the event that is very, like, people have have identified it as Fable kind of designed in terms of, like, the green colors and the sparkles and the, the initial teaser trailer that they showed a few years ago. So it's not outright confirmed, but lots of speculation that we are might see fable at the xbox game showcase and then of course the the second feature with specifically about starfield that we already knew then on june 16th uh sega and rgg studio announced having an rgg summer summit event and for that studio the two games that they that we know that they are in the process of making right now is uh the like a dragon spinoff called like a dragon gaiden the man who raised his name this is the side story uh, i don't know if side story is the right word the kiryu focused story about his um his goings on before the events of yakuza 7. that one's currently slated to release at some point this year so i'm guessing we'll get a release date or window for that game and then of course uh like a dragon 8 the initial teaser from a year back slated for release next year might see more details on that game as well yeah i'm very very uh interested in what they're going to show here the like the, the, the first and one they showed of these last year was a banger right mm -hmm. so i i have to imagine this is for we're actually going to finally see gameplay of like the man who erased his name that's a that's one that i'm really interested in and i maybe we'll start getting like a, at least a release time frame or a release plot actually I, did they already announce release platforms or like a dragon eight i forgot no i don't think so Okay, but well, well that... on our site we have listed both last gen and current gen. I don't know. I'll have to double check. Maybe that could have just been us guessing at the time. No, I think I think they did actually um, um, announce it there uh, for those. Oh yeah, things. yep. PlayStation Four, yeah. Five, One series. So they they might pivot from that, but currently that's what's announced. Yeah. 
Yeah, big, big. Uh... And as a, as a side like sidestep, I still feel weird just talking like, "Yep, Kiryu is still around," like because that was this thing where, <laughs> like, you you try you were trying to be like courteous, uh, you know, courteous, uh, but then like they're just like you know he's got he's going to be featuring in both of these upcoming games like all right he's going to be a k-pop star (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like all right i guess you know you can't speak around that so it is what it is yeah i'm kind of a little bit bummed that they didn't have like uh like the release announcement trailer for this event like they did like the first one where they had like all those celebrities that eventually ended up being like the battle cards and um all right uh what was it the the like a dragon um spinoff that came out this year ishin are you for ishin yeah 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 and it so, feels like a uh, I, one game i did manage to make time for and, and uh-huh. it feels like an eternity ago it feels, like a, it feels like an eternity ago i like, forgot the day i was like oh, what was that i reviewed yeah. it like earlier this year i was like what was it was like four months ago i'm like what was i can't i can't remember <laughs> I like how I like February feels like an eternity ago in terms of some respects, but then last week in terms of others. This yeah. year's just been crazy. Yeah. Uh, this one was a bit of a surprise in terms of the release announcement, but I think it was something we kind of expected. Uh, eventually, Front Mission First Remake, which initially released last year, exclusive to Switch in November. It will be launching for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on June 30th. So this is a week after the um, the delay for Front Mission Second Remake. Uh, that was a bad release date. I'm sorry. That's a bad release date. <laughs> I get it. I understand, and I'm ha- and I'm excited to pl- pl- play this eventually on PC again. But it's a bad release date. <laughs> any June date's a bad release date. I'm sorry, man. It's sharing the release date with everybody's one two switch. How is no, that- it's doomed. <laughs> Oh, it's so fucking over. Are you are you just referring to to Final Fantasy, or was there something else on June thirtieth? I'm just thinking like uh, Final Fantasy, and then there's like other June uh, July release dates. It's like a bad like time because like mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's gonna be yeah. focused on FF sixteen for a while, right? Right. So it's right. Just, yeah, it's it's like it's like um Fuga being released before like right before Zelda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Fuga short enough I was able to get it out uh ahead of time. Yeah, but you know, but for a lot of people it's like people saying this though the game's good. Here's a here's a more straightforward one. Uh Wrestle Quest, a game that we detailed also probably around that February time frame, has a release date. Uh and that'll be August eighth. So starting to get that past summer month uh release date calendar filled in we're starting to like like we're starting to like hear of games that are like coming out at like almost or half of this year like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy like it, like in the next few weeks we're gonna finally know what videos are gonna come out at like the latter half of this year it's a big mystery now but mm-hmm. supposedly there'll be video games and remember wrestle quest is not to be confused with wrestle story Okay, we delineated that back in like uh, March or so. But yeah, Wrestle Quest coming out in August. Wrestle Story still not dated. Something that will be coming out. Uh, this is another announcement for 2023, and that is the announcement of an official English release for White Album Memories Like Falling Snow. Now, Josh, I remember when I saw this announcement made, a lot of people were really excited. Can you speak to me for uh, 
like what this game was and why seeing that it's getting an English announcement was uh, exciting for people. The White Album series has been kind of like um, the romance, but in fact, it like it's kind of been like the the Moby Dick of of like uh, VN localization, where mm-hmm. like these have been very popular in Japan, like romance, visual novel, uh, well written, especially in White Album Two, which we're all crossing our fingers eventually gets the localization announcement uh, after this eventually but it's one um, of the few uh, i think a uh, few visual novels that has like a perfect rating back from dengeki back when it first came out and i agree with that score 100 percent white album one white album too uh two yeah, uh, yeah one is okay it's not groundbreaking but if one comes out then there's a high chance that two will come out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the rare first, hope. I mean, like, yeah. yeah that sounds well enough, which, yeah. uh, just to be clear, if you like visual novels and you want to be able to read White Album, like White Album 2 in a localization, it is your duty to buy this game on Steam. Pretty much. But White Album 1 is not bad. I think it's, like, a little bit insane in an entertaining way because, like, kind of the character's kind of a dumbass. <laughs> um, the but problem have... one is just the pacing. It's just, it's very slow burn. It just takes forever yeah, for something oh, yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah, but you do have like um, I forgot the, is the is the VN itself um voice acted or was that only the anime adaptation? It was only the anime adaptation, but eventually, like they make like a newer port, then they added the voice actings to it, and then well, it, it got like really famous voice actors. So it got like Aya Hirano playing as the main girl, and the other main girl is played by Nana Mizuki. Yeah. So you got like, these two uh, like top of the start from carrying this game. So you can imagine. Well, yeah. uh, Josh Tolentino's news post for this announcement says that Shiravuni's localization appears to be based on the PS3 remake from 2010 that did add voice acting. And I'm looking, okay. on, the, I'm looking yeah. on the Steam page. Some people are saying, hey, please add a 1998 version. I assume that's the original release. But it looks like this is based off the, from my understanding of reading the news post, the 2010 PS3 ver- version. Yeah, if this has voice acting, that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that'd be a big, big uh, boost for this game. But, you know, it's... Like I said, White Album 1 is like, it's one of those things that like, it like the announcement itself is like kind of mind-blowing because it's kind of like the, the you kind of need 1 to get to 2. Not to say that like you really need to have knowledge of 1 to appreciate 2, but... It was are, pretty standalone. Yeah, like, they make some are, references to yeah. 1, like, oh yeah, it's like, have you heard this song? And then it's like, it's yeah. a reference to the song from 1, so... Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I, I think it's just like one of those things that like, the, the prospect of this leads to something much, much, much greater. Hopefully, eventually, you know. I, I think what's good about 2 is one of the things is that it's more focused on the college life, the yes. college years. Now, yeah. I know it starts in high school, but it's more focused on college years. Too many romance stories takes place in high school, but, you know, they never talk about, like, the college years and, you know, those kind of eras. Of but basically, like, it, uh, yeah, it, 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 White Album 1 is very much about kind of, like, uh, like the 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 pacing is kind of crazy in it, but it's 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 still mostly a high school setting, uh, in it. Um, while White Album Two is really interesting because like, uh, while the first one comes like in one big like you know it's a standalone like full game, White Album Two is like there's the introductory part and closing chapter. They're like kind of like part one and part two of the story. Part one is high school focus. Some things happen at the end of part one, and then part two. Ha- happens and that's like a very very big tonal shift and a very big um 
change of pace and focus of the story. And I will never ahead. forgive the anime community for shunning the anime by watching Golden Time, which is a freaking disaster. And then they're like, "Oh, they didn't watch Golden. <laughs> uh, they didn't watch White Album Two. And then later on, they find out, "Oh wait, White Album Two is a way superior show." And because we didn't watch it, they wouldn't make the second season. To yeah, well, yeah, yeah, White, Al- yeah. White Album Two only the anime adaptation only did introductory, uh, the introductory part. But yeah, so like like I said, White Album One in itself is like it's okay. I I'll say it's okay. I did. I, I, I know a little bit about it because my friend and I marathoned the anime adaptation of it for to watch my album too. And then I eventually read the rest of my album too after watching the show. Um, two is just too good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really too good. But like, you know, it, look, like James said, if you know anything, if you if you like VNs, if you like romance VNs, if you like well-written romance VNs, um, White Album 2 is definitely a very good one, but in order to get it here, um, definitely support one. Yeah, and, 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 not to, and not to say that the, one is not a bad VN. It's okay. It's a, like, it's more typical, but it's okay, I'd say. I don't know. Yeah. It, this, I is exci- this, is ex- this is exciting, and it's also it's all it also gets batshit insane in one too in terms of like <laughs> who the main character gets involved with, um, because it's just it's oh god the main character so stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh my god! All right, guys, I have a uh, off the uh, press. Okay, okay, go for it. Well, it's not quite off the price. I got a Google alert for a news post from Gamatsu. Gamatsu is okay. a great site. You should support them if you and follow oh, yeah. them if you're not already. Absolutely. Uh, it says, uh, according to producer Yoshinori Kitase, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is progressing smoothly and according to plan. Oh! And it's, it's, so I pulled this up, and it's just Gamatsu sharing the tweet that we mentioned earlier, which is fine. <laughs> like, there's there's not much there's not much there to go mm. off of, but that kind of explicitly says why they do it because, uh, you know, people like us or like Sal over at Gamatsu will will talk about it, and then Google will grab it and push it to my smartphone and remind people that mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was just silly that I follow this back to the primary yeah. information, and it's this little silly question infographic from them. Anyways. There's also another one of these surprise visual novel announcements from Shirovune that we didn't uh, cover on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirovune also announced that they're bringing the Shell, the Kara no Shoujo series uh, over here, uh, and then the first part releasing July 28th. So to be clear, the Kara no Shoujo series is a, is, a, is a trilogy, and the and part one and part two originally got released in English uh, I think about some time back. I don't know how many how long ago, but it was by Manga Gamer. And they only did the first two parts of it. They never did the third part. The reason why, and I, I'll be very curious to see how this yeah. manages to release, is because I believe only the first part was like allowed on Steam, and then the second part was not, and that kind of just derailed their entire plans for for the third one. Mm-hmm. So, so if so, if they if Shiravoon can manage to get all of these on Steam. Which again, considering what we talked about with Dungeon Travelers 2, where it, it can be really, it, it, it's hard not to think that it really depends on who looks at your application. It just that, how, how else do you explain like how like inconsistent it is? Yeah. So that, so yeah. So Shirovune is re, essentially re-releasing, but obviously with their own original translation. 
Um, we get we got um a little bit uh, about the staff announced that I forgot. I, I apologize. I forgot their name off the top of my head. It was the 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 one in, uh, who also did um, DS Ire and um, Raging Loop. Um, God, I'm oh, I have to look this up because now I'm I'm blanking. Uh, no it is John Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, they they, they announced on uh, Twitter that they are uh, working with uh, Shiravune on this. So be uh, a great translation. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about uh, uh, their works uh, on, on those other projects. Um, so yeah, they're they're bringing this Akarna uh, Shoujo over as the shell, and then the the, the first part, uh, uh, the shell part one Inferno is coming to Steam uh, on July twenty eighth. Uh, they're all, it's also releasing. Are they? Is there another storefront they're they're also releasing these on? Let me check. I'm sure it'll probably be on on Joran as well, even if. Realistically, if it's on Steam, nobody's gonna buy that on Jordan. Uh, let's see. Yeah, but uh, it says wishlist now on Steam. I think that's the only place they're releasing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm. I've heard nothing but good uh, things about this series. I, I'm. Uh, I'm clueless about it. All I've heard from people. Is like it's one of their favorites. They really like it. And I told them, okay, give me a little bit more than that. Like, give me like a little snippet. Uh, it doesn't have to be a spoiler. It's, it's like it's like a, a, a mystery detective uh, thriller. I'm like, okay, all right, sure, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. So uh, they, they say they you know it's one of those things. Like usually, the less you know, the better. Uh, I hear. So I'm interested. So once again, it seems to be a really good time to be someone interested in visual novels uh if you're into visual novels you are you should be thrilled i guess <laughs> the recent announcements of that uh, genre and that, that but once again this is like these are all releasing in an already crowded year it feels like so how the fuck am i gonna make time for these you don't am i just gonna am i gonna read my white album out loud while we're playing street fighter cal is that it Yes, I'll, I'll read it for you. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you, Joe. Uh, I, I would, uh, I would spectate that that match. <laughs> you know what? If you guys do a casual mode of Ace Attorney, I'll read it to you. I'll even do the voice acting for you. <laughs> we, we have to get back that effort kicked back up. So but yeah, that's, that's that's tough. Yeah, but what? I promise, if you do a thing, if you stream a visual novel, I'll try to do a voice yeah, acting for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Charles gonna be like, I heard said. Uh, be careful streaming at VN. People have gone to prison for that. Oh shit! <laughs> I guess I'm going to jail. The ESA is after me. Uh, there's one other news post here, and that is for a cancellation of something that I had forgotten was announced. Uh, so back last summer, last June, June 8th, um, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic 2 was released for Switch uh, by publisher Aspire Media, and they announced, and with a fair bit of pomp and circumstance, that they were going to follow up with official DLC to add the restored content mod, a very popular mod for the PC version of the game that cuts out a lot of the original development intent for Nice Little Republic 2. Aspire was going to put in the Switch version as an officially supported release. Uh, here we are about a year later um, since that announcement, and Aspire has stated that they are no longer proceeding with updating the Switch version of Nice Little Republic 2 with the restored content mod, they tweeted out this apology on their 
uh, social media page and stated that anyone who has purchased um, the game for Switch will be able to pick a replacement key for another Star Wars game, either on Switch, like getting Force Unleashed, Republic Commando, Episode 1 Racer, etc., or getting the Steam version of National Republic 2. Be clear, so, this is only if you bought it before this announcement. Yeah, yeah. So, And uh, part of me is... I saw like when we uh, tweeted this out, there are a few people understandably. So in our mentions saying that they were really disappointed because this was something they're really e eager to see, because for some people, this would have been like new content for them for, for a classic game. And now like it's available on Steam, but not everyone uh, want, likes to play their games that way, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not officially supported. It's kind of in the same place as like the um, unofficial patch for um, Vampire of the Masquerade where uh, it's very easy to find and install, but it's not officially supported. So it's still kind of used at your own, uh, your own, not risk really, but installation and making sure that you have everything configured appropriately in order to enjoy it. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, they weren't able to make it happen. So um, that's a shame. At least they're trying to make good on it, you know, uh, the, the, and, 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 you know, in a small way that they can. Yeah, and like the the fact that they were able to provide the extra key for a for a replacement game, it doesn't make up for it in terms of people who are really excited to see this specific thing. But like I when I was reading their post, like I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, wow, they're able to make that happen. Like that's really generous of them and they're trying to make yeah. good. So and of course, this is where I am obligated to ask when is Nights of Old Public One? on steam going to be updated to support like widescreen and modern resolutions and things like that because <laughs> they did all that uh, update for two but they never did it for one and that bumped me up you're all still waiting for that kotor one remake yeah that's it you know i just gotta wait for the remake that'll surely release <laughs> <laughs> then i then no one will, no one will want the original game anymore okay what will release first vampire the masquerade bloodlines 2 or kotor one remake oh secret geez. third option skull and bones <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the secret option. I don't, I don't know. Skull and Bones is a real video game. I think Ubisoft is going to keep pretending it is until the uh, what was it? The Malaysian government uh, gets off their case and forgets they even gave them money. I think. I mean, and and then like the fourth option to spring off of that is like Beyond Good and Evil too. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, there's a heated. That's a, that list is is a tough one. <laughs> Fuck. And that covers it for all the news posts of this podcast. So um, not a lot this week, but potentially a lot next week. Though it's hard to say because sometimes these Summer Games Fests are more I'm, hype than I'm, substance. But we'll see. I'm saluting all three of you and I'm, a guess, I'm guessing Adam as well. Good luck. Uh, uh, man, I, I don't know what to expect. I really don't know what to expect. Mortal Kombat 1 RPG. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we have all of the uh, features and reviews that we talked about up on the website at rpgsite.net. Uh, you can find RPG Site on all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for RPG Site, and you should be able to find us. Uh, you can join our Discord by hitting the link at the top of our homepage or going to discord.gg slash RPG Site. Um, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the TetraCast. Uh, you can listen to us on all all your favorite podcast service. Please give us a like, a comment, or a view if you enjoy what we're doing. We do like to see that feedback. If there's anything that we can do better, go ahead and give us that feedback as well. We're always looking to improve. Uh, but until you hear from us next time with all of the results from the 
onset of the summer gaming festivities. We'll wish James a, you know good luck for all of his uh, all of his hard work in the coming weeks. We'll catch back up with him later, and you will hear from us next time. Until then, stay safe and take care. We'll talk to you all later. Can you imagine a Mortal Kombat one RPG? You do the fatality, and then like the, the damage numbers is like all nine 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 every time you hit that fatality. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sick.